Hello and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hey, what's up? Sergio Vasquez. Howdy. And Jeff Markey, a father. Hey. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. This is a place about games, friends, and getting better. Oh, I forgot. Uh... People have been asking for a while, where is Jeffum? He's not on Goaty Hunts. He hasn't been on the podcast for a while. And instead, you've been choosing to... Make a baby. Make a baby! Well, we, we made it a long time ago. Um, <laughs> bring it into fruition. Oh, I my guess. God. So when was the actual birthday? Um, God, what day is it? Yeah. Uh, it was October... <laughs> It's almost like you're exhausted and can't <laughs> hang on. Right. Everybody in the yeah, backstage pass are chanting bad dad. Sleep deprived. Uh, it's it's October 5th. Okay. That's amazing. Well, hey, whatever the birthday yeah. is, congratulations. Well Absolutely. done. Uh, yeah, he's he's doing real good. That's cute. Uh, do you want to give out the name? Not give out the name? Where are you at with that? Yeah, his name is Kai. K-A-I. That's great. Uh, Not, no relation to Kyle. He made that joke already. What's um, that? Almost ruined the name for me. You almost ruined my baby's name for me, Kyle. Joke. <laughs> um, well, I hope you're ready for a lot of King Kai to become up to come up uh, Supreme Kai. And you did play a lot of Dragon Ball earlier this year, uh, the Kakarot game. So I don't know if there's any Kai inspiration coming there. Yeah, I totally remembered that Kai was the name of a Dragon Ball character. Apparently, <laughs> dropped his controller and said, "I have it. I figured it out." <laughs> Honey, uh, honey, we've got it. How's it been Listen, going for you, man? None of that are bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> or Gregory. Gregory's still on the table, too. Jeff, I'm telling us the story of fatherhood. Uh, you know, it's been real good and real rewarding, and I desperately want more sleep at this point. What is it? I understand the baby's going to cry and want food and stuff. Can you just take shifts can't just be like all right tonight you will handle it fully this next night i will handle it fully not really Uh, at at this point i and i'm hoping it's just because you know we're in newborn territory but it's really been taking both of us and the, the the killer of it is that it like any any one period is not that bad but the baby has to eat every two hours what after it's born yes and and there's just there's no way around that and and it you can go like three hours maybe but our but kai was born a little smaller and he lost some weight you know like those first couple days so we we've really been religious about trying to stick to that two-hour period it's we're we're getting a little more flex now we don't have to set an actual alarm every two hours during the night okay but it's but it's it is a weird kind of i it's all, it, it reminds me of like a harvest moon cycle of, of like a, just kind of a really condensed cycle that you live over and over and over again. And there's things within that cycle that you have to do, like feed the baby and, you know, change his diapers and stuff. And then there's the things that you kind of want to do, like eat and take a shower and those kind of things. But you, but you can't, you definitely can't do all of them. And so you're constantly, it's like, okay, we got the things we have to do. We have like 20 more minutes you know, I'm going to go take a poop and then I guess I'll push shower to the next cycle. And then you collapse on the floor. Yeah. It, it's also kind of like that computer and lost, you know, where it's, where it's like you have to just keep checking in every two hours. So it's, it's not, it's not like him crying or anything, you know, like 
super bad or him pooping everywhere or anything like that. It's just kind of this... There's no reset where it's like, okay, I can sleep for eight hours now and then I'll be refreshed in the morning. It's just kind of everything bleeds together. Plus being in quarantine, everything bleeds together anyway, so... Yeah. Oh, man. What's been the biggest surprise so far? Um, I guess it was that moment at birth which i was i was wondering if it actually exists because you know like they always in like movies and tv shows and stuff they always show the baby's born and then like the parents have this big aha moment where everything changes and and you you know like some people definitely don't have that and i think we kind of do a disservice to parents when when it's always portrayed as like and now you have the most important thing in your life and some some parents just don't experience that and that's really hard on them but so I kind of going into it I didn't really know if I was going to have that but it it totally it totally worked on me and and I think part of part of it and I guess this was the biggest literal surprises of it was we didn't find out the gender beforehand oh my god hmm. Which, which I'd never even considered not finding out the gender, but the first meeting that we had with our doctor, you know, she asked if we wanted to know the gender, and we were like, yeah, yeah, we want to know. And then she was like, you know what, let me, let me pitch you on not finding out the gender. Because she, and, and she said, you know, like, out of all the births that she's done, like, those, it's just such a better surprise and such a more memorable kind of delivery and That's everything, not knowing. And I realized as she was telling me that, that, like, this is one of life's ultimate spoilers. And I'm so spoiler averse <laughs> that like that that really sold me on it. So we we went through the entire time and then you know the delivery is completely insane too. Like movies totally portray that in a in, in like this it's always this condensed thing of like, you know, it's ten minutes, but it's the most terrible pain you've ever felt in your life. You yeah. Know? But but that too is more like you know, like my wife was, the contractions were bad and my wife was getting through them. But what I didn't realize was, you know, you have a kind of two minute, really bad contraction, which is kind of just like a giant muscle period type cramp uh-huh. that lasts for like a minute. And then you have like four minutes after that. And then it starts again. And it's every four minutes, you have a minute long, super bad cramp <sighs> for like 10 hours. Oh my God. And and so that too is just kind of like this marathon that grows on it uh, the entire time. But so she went through that pretty well. But then at the end of the delivery, it was getting kind of scary and it was kind of hard. And they had to use like the little suction thing to get him out of there. And so we it it was a really tense and worrying moment for both you know the baby, and I was worried about my wife too. And then oh. uh, doctor got out the baby and kind of held it to me and showed me basically the genitals and was like so what'd you guys have and had me be the one to tell my wife oh that's amazing yeah and it and and it totally worked and i you know immediately started crying (laughs) so now it it was it was totally worth you know trying to avoid the spoiler and being paranoid about it for nine months too because then every time you go to you know, like a a doctor's appointment or an ultrasound or anything like basically as soon as from the receptionist on every person I met, I'm like, we don't want to know. We don't know. We're, we're saving it. Don't spoil it. The receptionist knows. No, 
Okay. They don't actually know. So how does but, it work? Aren't you like looking at? But the... I'm, sp I'm spoiler of worse is the problem. I understand. So. But aren't you looking at like ultrasound images and stuff? Like every time they see the genitals yeah, and the they... ultrasound, they're just like, whoops! Like no, hide that. No, no. They they tell you at a certain point, like, okay, look away. I'm gonna inspect the downtown. So if you don't want to know, look away. That's the medical term. Yeah. 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 Uh, Kyle, I have never seen you have so much restraint uh, as to being <laughs> quiet the last two minutes. I'm stunned. I I wanted to hear Jeffum's story. I mean, I don't know. It's it's exciting. I'm 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 really happy for you, man. Like it's it's insane. Like it was insane for us too. Like that you're talking about that moment where everything clicks, you know? Mm -hmm. Mine was like wasn't even seeing her. It was hearing her cry from behind a curtain. Oof. And it was like instant like fear. Like I was like, "Oh, no, this is real. Like this is actually happening." <laughs> you know? So like I it's it's yeah, it's a wild experience, man. Yeah. And everybody knows yeah. it only gets easier from here. I don't know. Is that a thing it, to say? It dips. Like it's 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 hard now, and then it kind of gradually, you know, it, you'll 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 get past a certain point where it'll become second nature. Oh boy! Well, congratulations, Jeff. Uh, yeah, quite the accomplishment uh, to you and your wife. Um, but hey, and we're not thank just you talking. For giving me the time off and not having to worry about videos for I a was weeks. I was surprised. Like before, you know, the birth. You're like, I don't. know, I think I should be able to good be good to go in the future it's like what are you talking about like of course we're not going to ask you to do a video game podcast like a couple days after the birth of your child it seems insane yeah i i mean i i figured i would take off a couple of weeks but you know this is kind of our first trial run on it because like they're still just right outside that door if oh, everything goes wrong you right. know i can i can run out there but okay well but let yeah, us know. it doesn't seem like it should be that hard to pull off but also i need sleep at some point so. okay you can fall asleep whenever you want uh well you can fall asleep after we talk about some exciting things here uh we can talk about mario kart live home circuit kyle we've both been playing that experience that weird thing we talk a little bit about next gen uh then we're gonna get leo on here we're gonna talk about jackbox uh, jackbox party pack 7 of course, they keep coming. Uh, and Amnesia Rebirth. And then we have a bunch of great community questions, a lot of them pertaining to the fact that this is our one-year anniversary. Minmax was formed, that. yeah, October 24th, 2019. So let's see, your baby is zero, Jeffum, and we are one as a unit, I think is how that works. There we it may go. or may not have been born some point in October. <laughs> <laughs> jury's out uh we didn't want to know the gender either yeah it's, it's, we <laughs> yeah. still are trying to figure it out don't want to know the gender <laughs> uh what do you all remember from uh the earliest days of forming min max it was cold that one time <laughs> i i almost uh slipped and fell on my ass outside your house yeah that, frozen. that's when we knew this guy is rock <laughs> solid and good that's to go right. for launching a patreon cool as ice i was <laughs> Uh, we've released, um, so at the $10 tier, the backstage pass tier on Patreon, it's a lot of behind the scenes techie stuff. You can watch us uh, stream all of our shows live. We share the notes. You can watch Leo edit, watch later, a lot of fun stuff like that. Um, and so we just released our two first meetings. Uh, we recorded those meetings and released them as very, very raw, honest, revealing podcast for people to listen to. We also have the full cut of our pitch video um, that we're going to share with folks in the backstage past here. But listening to back to those early meetings is so strange. It's, first of all, a lot of uh, swearing. And everyone's like, why are you swearing so much? It's two things. I had a couple beers in me, and I was really, really nervous. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so that makes me swear a lot. Um, 
but it's so bizarre us trying to map out how this thing is going to work it's the fun part is us like pitching the different shows pitching how things can go but it's also just i forgot that it was so much of hedging bets about like i think some people will support us but you know if it's just a couple uh people then maybe i can do some freelance so that this thing can actually be sustainable and try trying to figure out like what percentage i was going to be doing freelance video and then it's so nice that it launched and the community came out in such a big and bad way that it's like okay we can actually or at least i can focus full time on this min max thing and i think it's made it so much better so it's a lot of fear in those early meetings and then like a little bit of bravado like it's weird to hear us be so scared but still like yeah we should do this this I should quit my job for this. This seems like a good idea. It's really bizarre. I mean, you certainly, I, I mean, one thing that sticks out to me is like almost feeling like we were putting too much on you, Hanson. Cause like for us three, it was like this, this will be a good thing and it'll be fun. We're already kind of all three of us kind of pursuing our own things. But for you, yeah. it was like a big active decision. And I, and I remember like kind of like feeling bad for you that I like so much was being put on your shoulders, you know, like, because you were you were the one putting the most at risk, you know. Yeah, it was it was scary because it's a lot of like you know, ah, uh, yeah, I think I think this might work, and it's like, okay, but seriously, am I good for like spending ten thousand dollars this weekend? Like, you need to let me know right now because this could really destroy yeah. me, guys. And it was hard. It was hard to kind of be like, yeah, go for it, dude. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> I know, I know. But anyways, you can hear those raw actual meetings uh, if you're at that ten dollar tier. Also, you know, as always, we appreciate the support. We support. Uh, we appreciate everybody that watches or listens to this show and all of our content for free thank you thank you thank you for giving us the time of day giving us a little bit of your attention um but at the same time we also really really appreciate the patreon supporters and so if you ever wanted to support us now would be a great time you can unlock those archival meetings and a ton of other content at patreon.com slash two ends thank you thank you thank you for all the support everybody it's been an amazing year um well it's been a wild year i guess <laughs> amazing for us and the growth of the community min-max. yeah uh Jason became a dad min max is going well everything else up in the air <laughs> take yeah. it or leave it yeah to be fair um jeff um as a uh, part of this big celebration uh we surprised you with a nintendo switch from the community the community rallied and uh bought you a nintendo switch which you didn't own before yeah. have you had a second yeah, to play that thing uh a little bit yeah but that that was super surprising and totally absurd. They shouldn't have had to have done that. Um, but I, I did totally appreciate it. And I think I, I said in the Discord afterwards, like, actually, you know, like, I never I never really considered buying myself a console because I had a baby or anything like that. But it, but it's actually, it is it has already proven to be the perfect console because it's something that I can just pick up, play for 10 minutes. You know, I'm not taking up, I'm not having to turn on the entire TV and, like, yeah, you know, dominating the living room and everything. I can just play it for a little bit while my wife's watching a show and breast pumping, and then put it down when I need to pick up the baby or whatever. And, and so it's it's has actually been really great, and I do appreciate it. And it brought a big smile to my face, even though I didn't answer the door when Hanson brought it over. I was so worried. <laughs> was I'm like, this thing's gonna freeze out here. Someone's gonna steal it. But that's that's fine. Uh, what have you been playing on that thing then? I've been playing Breath of the Wild on there. Look at it, that. It, it felt like, you know, you can't look a gift switch in the mouth, I guess. That's what they're something. saying. I, I figured that that seems like a, <laughs> it seems like something the community would get a kick out of me trying to play that game again and see if I like it anymore a second time around. And what so. do you think? Um, it's 
I've had a hard time figuring out if I'm enjoying it more this time because I've only played a couple hours and I, I restarted from the beginning again and I can't really remember how much I did enjoy those first couple hours. Yeah. But I think it, it has helped massively that I have gone into it with different expectations than the first time I played it and I know what I'm getting into. I already know the things that annoy me about it and so it's a little easier to kind of mitigate those things. And I just kind of understand the pace differently. So so it hasn't been as frustrating and I also haven't been dying as much because there are there are certain things that I remember like oh yeah, like this thing totally killed me 10 times in a row the first time I played it. So I've kind of been able to mitigate more of the annoyances. And it, it is nice. The the one the one reason that I actually did kind of want to go back to it anyway was when I first tried playing it, which I did play for like 30 hours or whatever, but it, it was at the end of the year during that kind of rush where you want to play right. a bunch of different things that you hadn't played throughout the year. And so I... I during that time I was kind of in the mindset of like I want to make progress on this thing because I have these other games that I also want to play. I'm waiting for the epiphany point, to hit me of how good this game is, you know. Huh? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and and so and this time around like I don't give a crap about any of that. I I'm just happy if I can sit down for 30 minutes and play a game at, you know, at one time and not think about a baby for for a very small window. And so it's it has been fun so far. Yeah. Despite despite being so vast, I think it is a good like 10 minute game because I feel like you'll find something in 10 minutes. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. And you can yeah, I can down, I can go know? and find a shrine and do that real quick. And then, you know, yeah, that's that's enough. Yeah. For that cycle. Did you uh, happen to get Hades on your switch? I haven't yet. No, I've been oh, I've been trying ahead. to figure out I'm been trying to figure out what games uh, I should I should get. And I asked the community; they gave me some you know kind of indie recommendations and stuff like that. But uh, so this, have you gotten anything or just Zelda so far? Just just Zelda so far. But I feel like Mario Maker Two is a lock just in terms oh. of bang for your well, buck. You, you of, need Mario Kart though as well. Absolutely, right? like, aren't Mario, you a big Kart. Mario Kart guy. Yeah, but the thing is like. I don't envision myself playing that with a lot of people. Like as a solo game, I don't. You don't think your like, wife I'm would sure enjoy I'll, playing Mario I'm, Kart? I'm sure I'll get it eventually. I'm not gonna yeah. not get the best Mario Kart ever made or whatever. But yeah, I, that's I just don't my, know. That's my pitch for it. I think it's the best one. Like yeah. yeah, yeah. I I just don't know if I if I need that. You know, if that has to be one of the first games that I get. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. I think at this point you're uh, clinically insane if you don't get Hades for your Switch. Uh, I think you really need to lock that thing in. Cause... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no. Uh, I was going to say, because I think it, I mean, it's it's climbing up my list uh, for games of the year. And Surreal, I think it's already exploding at the top like a thermometer in a cartoon. Yeah, it's it's one or two. It's um, I'm up over 100 hours at this point, so I'm still, and I'm still playing and finding new stuff in it. So I really like that game. And it's really good in short bursts, actually. You can do you can do as much as like a room and have that be a decent session because then okay. uh, like and those rooms can can take like seconds, you know, so yeah. it's it's good for picking up and putting down the switch. Yeah, that is that is perfect. I will go download it as soon as we're done here. What is it, Serial? Even even oh. I'm playing it. I'm about twelve hours in. Nice. No, like I'm also on opium. It's, <laughs> it's messing me up real bad. Uh, you can uh, try it. I will say I'm not as like head over heels as everyone else, but it's definitely like 
the most fun I've had with that. But you, but you don't like roguelikes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Notorious, notorious roguelike it's hater. It's what I'm known for. Kyle, yes. So if you like it, then... Rogue hate is good. what <laughs> Kyle's name. Uh, sir, what do you think it is that's clicked so hard with you? Uh, I think it's like... I think the combat just... Uh, like, the more you play around with it, uh, the better it gets, and you realize, you know, how different... How different modifiers, different weapons and stuff all force you to, like, think about different aspects of the game very finely. Um, so uh, there are different aspects of the weapons and uh there are certain ones like this one's basically like a claymore like for the sword and it gets you to think about individual sword strokes in a way that for the most part in that combat you're just mashing a button and like damage comes out right and you're like dashing around everywhere but you know like some of those weapons definitely get you to rethink how you play those weapons and there's just a lot of conversations trying to talk to people um like i just now had like a a, a storyline that I'm like, oh, I, I, I want to see where this goes. And it felt like really far, you know, it was introduced pretty late. Um, yeah, so still new storylines a hundred hours in is mind boggling. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like, you know, here's like this new like thing that's going to upend your understanding. Like once you, you, you hit credits and I think that's probably like where most people should stop. Um, but there are things that are like, oh, if you've wanted to find out about this specific aspect or if you wanted to see these two people interact, here's like a short thing that over the next few runs is going to be like, oh, they have they had these two characters fight and then they kind of make up later. And then, you know, like uh, and it's just a thing of like, OK, I want to see where this goes. So I'm going to do go do another run. And at this point, I'm trying to get all of the achievements, uh, which they're epic store achievements. So they're maybe the least valuable achievements uh, available. Um, <laughs> Dirt achievements. But, yeah. but it's like, here's a list of things you can do. And that game just gives you a ton of things to do. There are like these prophecies that are like okay like get every legendary boon which have these preset conditions of like for zeus for example it's like get this boon that causes lightning and get this boon that gives you a modifier to anything you do for lightning and then you can get his legendary boon which summons like this like lightning ball basically uh and so you can have every run uh have like the specific goal of like i'm gonna do this this run and that's gonna fundamentally change how i play which is like super cool to have in a game that is just like um, where the combat is just, I want any excuse to play this combat, and the game gives you excuse after excuse. And so, uh, I'm almost out of excuses. I almost, have, I'm missing like one achievement um, for like beating the game with like 16 heat, which is like this difficulty modifier thing. Um, but I think even after that, I'm still like, I could go for more runs after that, even. So, yeah, that's amazing. I, I'm looking forward to playing more. It's, it's so great to have that game always on the back burner ready to go for like, yeah, this is going to take up a lot of time, I think, before next gen. It's just going back to Hades again and again and again and again. Uh, yeah, hats off to Supergiant. I mean, by far their best game at this point, I would say, which is crazy for that studio's Overall, release yeah. so far. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Kyle, I think we've both been playing um, one of the strangest releases of the year. Maybe the strangest release since Nintendo Labo. I'm really trying to think yeah yeah i think so it's up there mario kart live home circuit which is yeah can i just say like i i didn't hear anything about it so i just saw that there was a title and in our slack channel people were kind of talking about kyle said he got an extra copy and all of a sudden it's like a i have a switch now so i'm kind of interested in nintendo things of course yeah but but then Charles in the Slack just said, does it work well on carpet? Like, what <laughs> the hell has Nintendo done? <laughs> so this That's is the new Mario Kart game that costs 100 bones, 100 coins, uh, and comes with an actual RC car. And then you set up a physical track in your house and race the RC car around. And there's a camera on the RC car and that projects the video feed to your Switch. So it looks like you're playing Mario Kart 
in your living room or across your body or whatever freaky stuff you're into. It is weird. Kyle, what do you think about it? Um, it's, it, it's, it's Uh-oh. interesting. It's, it's, it's one of the, I think I was talking to a JV recently and he said like, and I think he asked a good question and he was like, how much novelty is it? Like, what's the percentage? 85%. I'm with you. Like it's the novelty element of it is pretty high. Like it's, but like, it's cool though. Like one thing that it didn't really occur this, maybe this is dumb, but I I didn't quite understand how the thing worked. I thought you like set up a track and then Mario just kind of drove around it. And then there was like augmented reality stuff happening in the camera, but like turning and like shooting stuff. I, I thought that was all handled like, just you went in a circle and it handled that part for you. Well, so you the can. Gameplay... There is an assist setting on there that does that. Oh, is there? Okay, yeah. but I mean, I was kind of surprised to learn, like playing it, that it, it it's it's an RC cart that you can just fully control with your Switch. Like you can just yeah. drive it around your house for fun. You know, it's you don't have to like connect it to a track or anything like that. So as like as a toy, I think it's really cool and really fun, and it's like it's it is really charming to chase your cats around and like. <laughs> see Mario like driving and the cats look huge on the camera and then like playing with my kid she was like drop you know dropping down on the floor and getting her face into it and it was yep. like it looks wild on your switch to like drive up to like a real person but then when you go to play the actual like Mario Kart side of it it's it's interesting but it's not like it's not the most fun thing in the world no like yeah. you don't you don't got drift and stuff like that but still they pack no. more gameplay in there than i was expecting just the variety in the yeah. courses like okay we have a course themed after one one we have different like radio stations with all mario kart music on there and then even like okay we have snow courses where there's gonna be like ice patches and we put like snow covering things like in the environment and whatnot so it's it's a bunch of really cool ideas and it's so crazy to me that when you're driving it it's like wow this looks like mario kart like it's got the speed of mario kart it's got everything and then you look up from your switch and look at what's happening with the car and it looks so slow and so lame and then you look at the switch again it's like well i'm flying 150 cc look at this it's like yeah in reality it's so different it's just a bizarre perspective shift but it's like it really got me just as a dork for oh my god racing under my table look how big my kitchen table is like just that small guy big world jeff cork fetish or whatever it is Mm. the one of the best implementations of that i've ever seen in the game industry i mean talking about the cats like one of my cats keo like just didn't care like i could drive up to keo and he was just like what is i don't care what this thing is so it was just it's so fun to like drive up to a cat and the cat just like gets down and like looks into the camera and mario's just there like like, looking up at the cat it's so bizarre but you can't take screenshots or take video footage. It won't let you. It's the only time I've seen yeah. it be blocked on the Switch. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's just that really overbearing Nintendo security where it's like yeah. we don't want you to easily share what could be Evident. questionable things happening in your house. You know, I don't know what it is, but like, which I was like bummed about because I was really excited to just like share pictures of like my cat from their eye level with right. Mario chasing them around, you know? Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, you'd think so. Um, what do you think it's, about it's fun I mean it is that Labo tier I think Labo yes. was slightly more of a game um, than this even I like not much more but I think there was more like true gameplay related to certain Labo kits you know yeah uh, what do you think about the tech what do you think about the range because I was a little bit underwhelmed by how far it can go but if you got a kind yeah. of a central location and you build the course around your TV around the handheld switch like it'll get the job done but I was expecting like oh I can run the full length of my house and into these little rooms off to the side and it's like eh, it got a little choppy at that point do you know if it connects directly to the Switch or is it connecting to your Wi-Fi? 
Oh, it must be the switch. Wouldn't okay, it? could you just chase it around the house, like I walk behind think, it to make the track? I think you might be able to. Yeah. Because okay. that was like the first thing my daughter tried to do was like get a course going like through all the hallways in the kitchen and stuff. And, right. and she went out of range, but she was doing it all from like one location. And I was... Yeah. Yeah. I I haven't gone back to it yet, but I want to. Like I do want to play more of it just because it's, it's so charming. It's so weird. Yeah. And yeah. I ran into the problem too of apparently not being very good at real world Mario Kart where I kept running into the gates that I had set up. So you have like four cardboard gates that you can set up around the house. But if you are bad at driving and you hit the side of it then it gets out of line and then like the course just goes to hell and like it can't track where it is exactly so they encourage you like oh put some weights on the side of the of the gates which is a good way to go unless you're an amazing driver um but yeah jeff i'm like this thing is so weird and so i was immediately thinking like somebody has to be doing some crazy stuff with this so of course you do what any sane human being does where you go to the mario kart reddit and you see some of like these custom courses that people are making and it's awesome, like recreating old Mario Kart tracks, but in their living room and they like fully decorate their house to look like a Mario Kart track. It's insane. It's it's up your nostalgia alley, man. Uh, that's cool. That <laughs> that totally sounds like something I don't have time for. What are you talking about? Come now on. I'm going to build an entire course and decorate, redecorate my entire house. Don't you want to make a Mario Kart? It in like four or five years. Just go ahead yeah. and have it ready. The <laughs> yeah. Switch 4 will be out by that point, but don't worry about that. I was uh, babysitting my nephews this weekend and they love video games, but my sister will not let them play video games in the house. So it's always like the big thing of like, oh, hanging out with Uncle Ben, we got to play video games. And so they had no idea this thing existed. And so I was like, oh, okay. Lined up with my girlfriend, like, let's blow their freaking minds. So we had it on the TV ready when they came in and said like, hey, do you want to play a new Mario Kart? They're like, yeah, Mario Kart. Sat down to play it. And we had the cart actually in another room like facing away so my nephew picks up the controller starts driving it around drives it into the living room so it's us on the camera on the tv and then we're all like wow like you know godzilla stomping around the cart and all that stuff i kid you not he played it for between three to five minutes before realizing that there was an actual rc car in the house <laughs> it was the and he's six you know he's not not the brightest in the shin. So like his little brother noticed at first where he goes, what is happening? Like his brain was just shattering. But then my other nephew played it for three to five minutes and then finally looks and goes, is that the Mario Kart? Like, yes. What do you think is happening here? Like, where do you think this camera is coming from? But he was so fixated on the TV. He did not even notice this car. Very silly wow. kids. Um, so yes, I'm having a silly good time with that very silly thing. Um, uh, Jeff, I know you've been uh, checked out for a little bit. Do you know that there's another generation on the horizon here? Oh, really? Yeah, it seems cool. Uh, it's like the PlayStation 5. Uh, the Xbox is confusing, but there's two of them. Series X, Series S. Uh, so they revealed last week, right after we recorded the podcast, uh, the UI for the PlayStation 5. Uh, it seems like it's card-based. looks a little PS4-inspired, but it's going to have layers of cards shuffling around. It's one of your beloved card games, Jeff. Um, uh, mm. Kyle, what was your gut reaction to the big reveal of the UI? Um, I, it, was, it was fun. Like, I like how they did the deep dive because like the, one of the big disappointments about Series X for me is that it's going to just just be the same UI, you know, going forward as far as we know. Like, yeah. the Xbox is updated recently, so I think, you know, the UI is gonna be consistent but yeah i mean it it was super fun to get that deep dive and like get the see it and then like as far as like big reactions for me the the big one was 
certain certain games. We'll see how many people take advantage of this feature because I'm sure it's really difficult to implement. I would assume, but like they showed the little big planet platformer, the Sackboy platformer, yeah. and one of the things you do is like when you hit the home button, you can see approximately how much longer it will take you to beat the level in front of you. That's really cool. Which I love. Like that is like that is you know adult gamer parent feature like a hundred percent where it's you know what i mean it's like ah, it's late how much longer is this level going to be and if you pull that up and it's like two hours I'm like Ugh, okay i'll just stop here or if it's like 15 minutes and it's like oh yeah i'll finish this like i love that and i hope it gets fully implemented across the board i hope it's a requirement in the same sense that like trophies are a requirement it seems like a lot of that's going to be in the developer's hands and i wonder i want to flash forward to the end of the generation and see like what state that feature is in. Because even that idea of like, oh, you can build in guides a little bit like when they first revealed Stadia where it's like, oh, we'll pull up YouTube for walkthrough, uh, YouTube for walkthroughs. But in this case, then it's just like, okay, if you're stuck, it'll, you can pull up a guide and pin it and then it'll show you where to go in this level. It seems like really cool features, but it's like, what's the incentive for the devs at a certain point? I think first party will do it for a little while at least, but I don't know. I hope that everybody sticks with it because it seems like a cool idea, but I just don't know if they have the man hours to really make the most of this. Yeah, yeah. I think my, where my head went was almost immediately to like, that's going to end up being like a, a community contributed thing, which mm. gets into some weird questions about, you know, like who gets paid for that? Like, do people just like, hey, this is the most popular thing. So everybody sees it. And that person is just like not at all rewarded for it, which is maybe weird. But like, I, I can see that being the case of like, hey, Here's like something that, you know, like Sony approved and here's, you know, how to get this thing in Ratchet and Clank uh, or whatever, you know, God of War, if depending on uh, like what, the, how long that gets supported by developers. Did you, did they, oh, did ahead, they say specifically that it's, it's a thing that the developers are programming in or is yeah. it just looking at so many people, you know, have played it and it took them this long to, to beat a level. I assume it's pulling from that data, but for stuff like the tips and guides and stuff, I think they said that was a developer right. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tricky. But also in Next Gen News, uh, Phil Spencer gave a big interview over at Kotaku, which is interesting, where uh, they asked him about Bethesda and whether or not Microsoft can make up uh, how much they paid for Bethesda by not releasing... Well, what am I trying to say? Do they have to release Bethesda's games on all consoles in order to make back the money they spent on Bethesda? And Phil Spencer uh, said, quote, we have xCloud and PC and Game Pass and our console base. I don't have to go ship those games on any other platform other than the platforms that we support in order to kind of make the deal work for us. Whatever that means. <laughs> he ends the quote with... <laughs> Which is surprising. I think, you know, last time we talked about it, I think Jeff and you were even on that episode, right? That idea of, well, maybe for the new IP, you could see them going for a Microsoft-first approach there. But stuff like Elder Scrolls, there's going to be such an uproar if that's exclusive. But with this phrasing, maybe they're leaning in that direction. You know, I, I thought I saw another headline of him saying that he, he you know, they didn't, they didn't buy Bethesda to stop people from playing it on other platforms. Yeah, so to stop people from playing wrong. it. But I, I at the mean, same it, time, he's like, well, there's PC and xCloud, and so we'll have it plenty of places. Sure. Yeah. I I guess, yeah, There there's there's no incentive for him or anyone at Microsoft to lock down, you know, how exclusive these games are going to be in five years when the next Elder Scrolls comes out yet. So might as well just kind of keep it keep it vague and keep your options open. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Let's see how dire it gets. Um, he also said that he expects the Series S to outsell the X eventually, even though at launch, I mean, especially for a min-max poll we had on Twitter, it seemed like a slam dunk. Everybody's going for the X, but I thought that was an interesting take where he's like, oh, no, the value is going to bring this thing forward and that will eventually outsell the X no matter what. So I'm curious to see if that comes true, but next gen is approaching everybody. Uh, Jeff, anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to cover? No, I think that's it. Oh, I uh, I bought Photosynthesis, the tabletop game. I've been playing that. Have you played that one? Oh, I haven't. It's on my shelf right over there. But, oh, really? Um, yeah, it's one of the many I haven't gotten to. My wife and I were doing really good, and we were getting through a lot of games, and then it was like, okay, we probably have about two more weeks to prepare for baby, and, and so board games have been pushed aside for well. a while, but... Maybe it's we'll some figure point. it out and we'll start doing coverage again. So. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. But uh, photosynthesis for a basic idea, uh, it's strategic placement game, I guess you can call it. Um, and you're building up trees and harvesting trees and collecting sunlight, and you're competing to put the other people that you're playing with in the shade so your tree can go grow bigger. Every time I've played it, I've insisted on playing it to the Plants vs. Zombies soundtrack. <laughs> the idea of collecting sunlight and building up your trees to get bigger and more powerful. Uh, it's very fun. And like, it's nice to have a game that's good for two players and it's good for four players and stuff. So I've really been enjoying that tabletop game. But yeah. Yeah, and it, I think it, it's a cool theme, which is one of the first things that attracted me to it. And when my wife saw it, she was like, ooh, we should get that one because it's, it has a much broader appeal than a lot of, you know, like dungeon diving or anything like that yeah yeah for sure it's one of those i'm like i can show my hippie dippy parents a game about trees i bet they get into this yeah yeah uh well jeffum congratulations again sir uh honor to have you back uh you come back whenever you want or you uh can go on a big retreat to hawaii with your baby if you'd like as well perfect you know kai is hawaiian for the sea oh that's, that's what his right. name means oh, oh and fun fact so. i didn't tell you this before one of my nephews um the one who noticed the rc cart his name is kai so it's a good name. Checked out. Time well, tested. Now I got to change it. So. <laughs> All right. Good luck coming up with a new one. Two guys. Yep. <laughs> Do you want to clap out of here, dude? Yeah. See ya. Leo Vader, welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you. Honor to have you. And as always, we go from birth on this podcast to rebirth. Amnesia Rebirth, that is. Oh, the new horror game out now that Leo's played a bit of and Serial has finished. Yes, I finished it and done a couple hours after that oh great uh this was one of your most anticipated games of the year if i recall correctly yeah I, i'm a huge fan of soma specifically and you know what what frictional kind of does in the horror genre so i was really uh, i was looking forward to this game uh a lot because i think they're they have a pretty good knack about telling stories in the horror genre and not just being like oh it's a collection of monster closets that are spooky scary right and what do you think uh i like it i don't think i, I like it as much as soma but i think it it touches on a lot of the same uh, points as Soma in that uh, I think by the end of it, the thing that I liked most about it was the story and not like, oh, I really liked it, you know, like being chased by this monster, um, which I think they've gotten a lot better at. I think Amnesia was pretty light on that stuff where uh, there's kind of an interesting backstory if you kind of dig through all the like the entries and listen to the flashbacks. But it was um, really hard to get a sense of what was actually happening in a grand sense. At some point, it just felt like, um, I don't think I was alone in this where you end up in the last area of that game. And you're like, wait, what am I doing? Um, and in, in some of they just got so much better about like really throw, like making you aware of what was going on. And like, I think to me, that's still one of the best sci-fi stories in a game ever. Wow. Um, 
just the, and how it uses like interactive mechanics to kind of relay a story about you know consciousness and AI and stuff. Uh, and this is a lot more personal. This isn't like um, because it is more grounded, um, even though it's like there is kind of like monsters and stuff uh, running around. Uh, it is less about like, oh, what, it, what would it be like if, you know, this hypothetical situation, which is a lot of like fantasy stuff. It's more about like, how would you deal with this issue if it actually happened to you? And like what ends up happening is kind of pretty relatable, um, which is pretty it's like and that that's exactly what I wanted out of this game is like make me think about things that aren't just like, oh, no, the monsters are really scary. What if I were attacked by a monster? Um, and so like this, this specifically really hones in on motherhood. In really? A, a really interesting way. Yeah. Uh, like Leo saw like I, it's like a not a huge spoiler because we saw it in, in our, our goatee hunt in the first hour is that uh, you find out that you play as you play as Anastasia. I remember Trianon, I think is her last name, but who goes by Tasi uh, and like about an hour into the game, you find out you're pregnant. Uh, and so because a lot of it is you have amnesia. And so like you're trying to piece together what happened. So like you you're in an air, uh, you're in a crash of a plane and you wake up and everyone's gone and you're in the desert. in I think uh, like southern Africa, like middle or southern Africa. And so you're like in the sultering heat. You can't get it. Uh, you, you shouldn't be out in the heat. Basically, you have to find shade. And so you're kind of searching for, you know, like, OK, what happened uh, and where is everybody? And as you're you know making your way, you find out all these notes and you're like, oh, you realize you're pregnant um and it's you're pretty early on uh and so like you have straight up a button that lets you like kind of hold your stomach and like check on your and kind of hear its heartbeat so yeah, that's like it, a lot of the interplay in the game then is a lot of horror moments about like it's coming for your baby well like it's not like oh this monster is specifically after your child it's a baby you. sucker but it's like i i think what ends up happening is that when you're in the, it has the same kind of fear mechanic from amnesia where if you're in the dark you're, you're it kind of starts ebbing away if you're at your like fear or sanity right. or whatever uh and looking at you know monsters will kind of wear away at that but there are certain prompts where it's like if you see like a your your screen kind of like flash blue you can hold your like your stomach and basically and comfort your child and that reduces your fear interesting uh, uh, so you oh go ahead i was just gonna ask leo do you like this game I think it's doing some cool stuff when it's telling the story it's got like these pretty illustrations that pop up with voiceover like during gameplay which is a fun way to mix it up and i think the design is it, it does a really good job of not feeling like it's on rails even though it is like yeah. you always feel like you're figuring your way through this location that feels real and <laughs> not like a straight path but it's like i'm gonna guess my way through and i'm going to probably be right yeah, there's not like the equivalent of like a chest high cover everywhere, you know, where it's just like, oh, I'm clearly supposed to do this and then this and then this, right? Uh, which I I think is really cool. I think that, you know a lot of what Frictional is really good at is making very small interactions feel intimate. So like you're you know manually opening doors, like instead of like just mashing E on F all the drawers and stuff, you're pulling the drawers uh, open and shut. There's a lot of like interesting mechanics on that. Like they um they kind of improve on some of the amnesia stuff in that instead of uh. You, you have a, tor uh, a a lamp still, but you don't have like the matchstick boxes, which you use, you just would use to light lamps everywhere. Instead, you have matches. And so those won't, won't last very long, but you light things along the way. And so you have to use those to see. But also it's like, I, I, I talked about this on the goatee hunt where it's like, you kind of feel good about like, okay, I was able to figure out what the best path for me to use this match and light like three candles basically along the way is. So you feel like you're using up resources really well. Um, and you have a lot of things where it's like, at some point, they showed this off in a trailer where it's like, here's a locked door that you can't get through. It's like this giant door. And the whole point is you're supposed to use this uh, kind of 
uh, decommissioned tank to uh, burst open the door. And that's like a pretty obvious thing because there's a cannon pointing at it and you're trying to figure it out. And so you, like a lot of it has to involve with like, okay, I'm rotating my mouse basically or like moving this thing to move this part of the tank so I can align it correctly. And you're like the ways that uh, that game has you interact with machinery is really cool. And then it goes like some really interesting places in that it asks some like interesting moral quandaries, especially towards the end about like, okay, you like, as a mother, how would you do? How would you deal with this, right? And th those end up being like kind of my favorite takeaways because you know a lot of games nowadays, especially like big ones, are about dads and stuff. I'm like, oh, like, but they don't really deal with the idea of being a father like explicitly. Um, and they like they kind of just say, okay, yeah, uh, this character's following you around. Don't worry about him. Like, we're not going to do anything. Like, we're not really going to have you about worry about their fate or whatever. I they're think just, Death Stranding is the best motherhood game at this point, right? Yeah, exactly. And this feels like like the this other really strong game where um like they really hone in on that and, and make you feel for like okay like this is a really desperate situation this isn't like what i would want to happen but i don't know that if i put in the situation that's what i would do and there are some cool things you know even watching the the like uh, playing the game again and uh being on the goatee hunt stream i'm kind of piecing together things of like oh they were actually kind of teasing this thing from later on in the game yeah. pretty early on and that's like a really cool thing to go back to replay a game and see so cool narrative stuff mm -hmm. i think there's a certain percentage of this audience listening or watching this show just saying like i'm just looking for a cool new horror game to play is this this game or is it too focused like leo do you have a sense of that of what <laughs> just like if you want a good horror game to play this year is amnesia rebirth the way to go should you go back to the original I, if that's what you're looking for, if you want it, if you want it, if you like it story based. Yeah, sure. But I mean, it's not going to top phasmophobia for me, for sure. If I'm in the horror mood, <laughs> it, it's a very different game. You know, like it's it's not like the, the actual monster encounters, I don't think are super like intricate, like none of it. Like, I think it's it's built in a way that it's like it's a story based game with some horror trappings. It's not like a horror game in the sense yeah. that it's like the, the horror stuff isn't super gamified. It, it just feels like, OK, we want we want to have this moment. And we're going to use a monster to have that moment happen versus like, oh, you know, like the monster behaves in all these like different, very clever ways and the ways you interact. Like it's not alien isolation, right? Yeah. Uh, or even phasmophobia. So uh, think, think of it going that way. It's not going to be this huge procedural thing. But I think that some of the like some of the horror stuff does work. You know, it, it ends up introducing some interesting enemies, is, uh, especially later on. Is this crack in your top 10? Yeah, I think it's up there. Oh, um, up there. I think it's probably in like in the middle, depending on the Jesus, back. Like, all right. Uh, games that I think I'm still kind of figuring out, but I, I, I would, I would be surprised if um, it wasn't on there. Yeah. Amnesia Rebirth, everybody. Um, a game that of course is just a shoe in every year in my top 10, I guess. Uh, Jackbox Party Pack. The new one's out. Jackbox Party Pack 7. Yes, Leo? I think we should have uh, each five games in the each pack distinct entries. <laughs> That's interesting. And that would all make the top 10. Yeah, and it would just conquer, yeah, the, the two tens that we'll create at the end of the year here for MinMax. Yeah, I mean, we can do whatever the hell we want. Might <laughs> as well really make the most out of this thing. It is one of those things that's it's getting increasingly bizarre to still have these released this way. Obviously, it's doing well. Uh, I love that team in Chicago so much, the Jackbox team. And so if it's supporting them, that's great. But it is becoming that little bit of a silly idea of, I really want to play this Jackbox game. Which, was that in four? Was that in three? It's like, I just want my one landing page and I'd happily pay for all these games individually or as they come, but just give me the one app to launch at this point. Because it's I getting agree. crazy. And, but they are coming like such a long ways on the tech side of it 
I would love to see like a remaster of here's all of these old games with our new infrastructure, whatever we're doing now that has it able to like take pictures to be to pop up on screen, like pictures of yourself. Yeah. Your name and like rejoining has become a lot better over the years. Like I would love to see them bring the new features they have, the new quality of life stuff. into Ray tracing. The ray tracing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, That would be so nice. And even just next year. Yeah. Just release it as the Jackbox party pack mega pack and make it, you know, some tech improvements for those old games. They can charge 30 bucks for it. Like, that'd be great. And then just make that the starting point moving forward. I'd pay anything. Anything. Uh, Kyle, what kind of games do you like in Jackbox Party Packs? Uh, just in general? Yeah, just in general, man. Uh, well, I haven't played as much as, as you guys, but, like, Whiplash is always probably, the, you know, the best. Like, you can't go wrong with that. I like the rapping one that was a few packs ago. <laughs> Madversity, yeah. So silly. Uh, I also... Uh, there was the one that was like really inspired by Twilight Zone, where like split the room. It was like about the voting and stuff. Yeah, so th- those are probably up there for me. Yeah, interesting. Split the room. Yeah, uh, yeah. So this has Jackbox Party Pack Seven has Quiplash Three, which I feel like Quiplash is always just the reigning champion in terms of just speed to comedy ratio. Like it is clean, gives you a prompt, you type in what you want, and then people vote for the answer that is funnier or is better. It's I feel like as much as I love Quiplash. Third time around, it's not the star of the show this time around, but it's still such a beautiful chestnut of a game. Yeah. What was they fixed round three in it is the big thing. What was round three in the first Quiplash? Um, well, that's like the last lash, wasn't it? Or was that the one where they'd have like comics? Two, definitely. That's when I remember more. That's oh. like, yeah, either you make three words off of these three letters or you finish. Right. right. Or and then Quiplash. everyone kind of had like stacked ranking, right? Yeah, it always died in the third round for me. Yes. I, was, I wanted to restart the game after round two was over every time. And the fact that Quiplash 3 finally has a worthwhile round three, that makes it like a very important entry in this pack for me. Yeah, so how does round three work this time around? Uh, it's like a prompt where the answer is three different words. Like you're kind of listing things and then it pops up one, two, three, and it's still matching you against one other person instead of all nine people's prompts or nine people's answers popping up at the same time and kind of killing the like punchline rhythm that quiplash is otherwise so good at yeah because it's such a weird vibe when they just throw all those answers on the screen in the in the old ones and like there's scattered laughter depending on where you look first whereas like you want yeah. that impact and still i mean that it's such a unique thing in this game but i still get such a thrill in quiplash out of when your answer goes up on the screen along with somebody else's and like the room is killed everybody thinks it's the funniest thing and it's still that moment of like is it mine or are they laughing at the other one? You know, half the time I think is more or less funny. You know, it's like, I still don't know. And maybe the room isn't even agreeing on why this has really exploded in this way. It's still just awesome. Uh, But Leo, what do you think about Party Pack 7 in general? Unquestionably one of the best packs they have. Yeah. Maybe your favorite game isn't in it, but I think like the sheer quality overall, there's, there's no misses in it for me. I think it's five great games. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I think it's really, really strong. I think it's probably top two of all time for party packs. Just on, you know, I played one night, but I think it's a, a great pack. Um, the most interesting one is The Devils and the Details, which is kind of like their take on almost like a space team type thing where it's co-op, but everybody's scored and you can be a little stinker if you want, but it's like a sitcom-like environment, Kyle, where everybody plays a little devil that has a different role in the family, and everybody has different tasks they need to do in and around this house. And so it's a lot of shouting as this timer's going to like, I need to get to the grocery store to pick up bread. Uh, Can somebody give me directions real quick? And then on somebody else's screen, they'll have directions. So it's basically just an excuse for everybody to scream for a long time and hopefully get some things done. 
Which I wonder how that works in Discord versus how it would work in a party setting. Like Discord, everybody yelling over each other to try to communicate what they need to communicate is kind of difficult. And I wonder if you're in a party setting, you can kind of like pair off and not show each other your screen. Obviously, that'd be cheating, but kind of like run over to someone and tell them stuff. I feel like you're... The score average is going to be so much higher in a oh, room. Oh, for sure. Or just being able to be like, Serial, what does it say on your screen right now? Being able to just like point instead of Google. just chaos of distorted Discord sounds. But like on that note, I'm really curious how this game does this year. If it's going to be bigger or lesser of a hit, just having everybody desperate to be social, but at the same time, uh, Discord, people are more used to it now and streaming games over Discord even. People have understood that tech more and more this year with the quarantine, but what do you think, Leo? Bigger success or lesser success for him? I think bigger. I think they're on an upward trajectory, and I think people being on their computers more is going to help them. Like you said, streaming this on Discord is... It's never, literally never been easier to play this online, for sure, with the strides Discord has made this past year. Yeah. Also, right when the pandemic started, there were a lot of celebrities doing like streams playing it. I remember there was one true. with like, uh, Jason Sudeikis... And like they were playing online, I think it was like a charity event or something. But I I saw more people talking about Jackbox as a result of that than anything, you know? Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I really hope it, it takes off. Like the music, the presentation, I think is so good. Uh, Quiplash has like this clay art style. Looks like uh, some Kobisoft Joe art in there. It looks fantastic. Uh, what's your favorite game this time around, Leo? Uh it's I, I again I love them. It's between Champed Up and Blather Round probably for me. Champed Up feels like TKO done better because TKO Ooh. was great, but it had so much downtime. Yes, yeah, true. So much time spent writing and drawing and pulling ideas out of nowhere, which wasn't always tough and it was kind of hard to walk people through. Like you're not supposed to know what's going on, but Champed Up is a bit faster and a bit like you always have a goal and a little bit to go off of, and it comes up with. Basically, I should describe this game. You're coming up with characters that fight each other. The champion of chaos, the champion of living in the basement or whatever. Those are your prompts. And you're drawing and coming up with a name that's kind of like a wrestling persona. And then the other person will only see your character and not what they're supposed to be the champion of. So the reveals are very funny because one person is like trying to figure out what it's the champion of. And sometimes they'll get very lucky and it'll be absolutely perfect. Yeah. But Lots of funny moments out of that, and the pace of it, I think, is much smoother than a lot of the drawing games they've had. You're right. Instead of like that slow, early burn for TKO, even though TKO can be so funny when it eventually pops. But uh, yeah, that one's great. And like, I like the idea of swapping in like somebody that was eliminated earlier in Champed Up. It's like, oh, suddenly the, this weirdo returns out of the blue. It's like, oh my God, I thought he was defeated so long ago. But I think it's got a, a fun presentation. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm with you. Blather Round, I think, is fantastic if you've played yeah if you've played the tabletop game concept it's a little bit like that where you're given you choose a a word um and then you have a set number of words and prompts and basically very crude sentences you can make to try and describe what this thing is as other people guess and then you're fueling off of their guesses to try and steer in their direction so for example you know it's like okay here's a story And the story, uh, the only clue says, wow, a pink law. And it's like, oh, that's Legally Blonde, the film. (laughs) You know, it's like you just have (laughs) so few words to boil things down to. Uh, Yeah, I had a Wendy's and my sentence for my starting sentence was the fast, delicious square. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's perfect. And like, you know, I was playing with Jeff Cork and he had... um, 
What is that? <laughs> oh my god, I'm completely blanking. What? Twin Peaks. His was Twin Peaks. And so one of his pro- one of the clues was like, because other people were guessing different stories, and so his best clue was, it is definitely not Star Wars or the Avengers. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, what a clue is that? But like, that was him trying to steer us from like, it's weirder, it's smaller, it's more indie, you know? So if you're just into like weird thought experiments and different ways to describe things that we're all very used to uh it's it's a great one uh, i really like it and a it's lot fun how much better you get at it like yes. with the same group of friends round after round you're like we're getting more and more on the same page of how we're able to best describe things it's very fun to play with the group. yeah uh, i think my favorite this time around so far is talking points though uh which feels like another iteration on the idea they had a while ago where you're like giving the presentation I'm trying to remember what patently that, stupid patently stupid yes we're giving that invention this feels like again a smoother way to get a lot of those same laughs where you have to uh with talking points give a presentation on a topic and you can choose from a certain number of presentations but then you have an assistant who's preparing the slides and the prompts for your presentation a player, another player is your assistant. Right, right. And so it's like, okay, I'm giving a presentation on, you know, why I'm pro-nuclear weapons. And for my first slide, and then it's just like a picture of a monkey sitting at a business table. And it's like, oh, this reminds me. So it's just like trying to play along with that. And then everybody else on their phones is like ranking the quality of each of your presentations. But that like killed. I don't know how it, it played out in your world, Leo. Yeah, that's a very fun one, no doubt. It's it's totally just an uh, improv game. Like, I think this pack is great for having all of the greatest hits of possible Jackbox concepts, really. You know, having the improv game, the drawing game, the quip game. I think it's perfect. It's perfect. Jackbox Party Pack 7. Check it out, everybody, and check out our YouTube channel or follow us on Twitch. Hopefully, we'll be uh, streaming it soon. Um, all right. Leo. Hey. Do you know how this whole thing operates? No. Patreon.com slash MinMax. So people that listen to us or watch us and they say, hey, I've enjoyed some of that MinMax content. I'd like to keep this indie trainer rolling. They can go there, support us at any tier and unlock beautiful benefits. Benefits like you wouldn't believe. Uh, like a Patreon-exclusive podcast feed, access to our weekly Patreon-exclusive podcast, MinFacts, early access to the MinMax show, the audio versions of The Deepest Dive, Refreshed, early access to Watch Later, or audio versions of our interviews, uh, everything under the sun. Just find the tier that's right for you over at patreon.com slash MinMax2Ends. Thank you so much, everybody. We appreciate the support, and for you uh, keeping us around for a year. We hope that we can be around for many more years, but thank you for going Here's to be and supporting us. <laughs> At least, hopefully. <laughs> It'd be great. Also, thanks to our big supporters like the Bambox. They say, hello, MinMaxers. We are so thankful for the support you've shown us so far, and we're really excited about the box we've been able to get you next. Yes, the new Gamer Box has just gone on sale. It might be the best one yet. This month's franchises are Super Mario Brothers, Portal 2, The Simpsons, Bart's Nightmare, and Dead by Daylight. Also, with Halloween coming, we decided to celebrate 30 years of The Simpsons, Trios of Horror, by doing a Simpsons pin set crossover between our Gamer Box, Geek Box, and Horror Box. It is our biggest crossover set in five years. And on top of that, the autograph in the box is one of the most iconic characters ever in gaming. It's a true grail item for any collector. We can't wait for you to see what it is. Be sure to reserve your October Gamer Box at thebambox.com and then hit us up on Facebook or Twitter to become part of the BAM community. Thank you, BAMBOX, for being so wonderful. We appreciate your support. Also, thanks to our dear friends at I Am 8-Bit. 
they have at their wonderful store, check it out at im8bit.com, they have the hippest item I think I've ever seen in my life. Let's see, Serial, let's see if you can guess this one. Who's like the coolest, hippest publisher over the last four years, do you think? Who would you guess? Uh, Annapurna. There we go. What if I told you that there was an Annapurna Interactive Deluxe Limited Edition bundle for the PS4? This is a limited edition. They only have 2,000 of these. Ultra premium, custom designed folio package, exclusive forward from Annapurna's uh, founder, Nathan Gary. Exclusive statements from each game's uh, creative visionaries. It's region free. So it's a PS4 bundle that has the disc version of Donut County, Goragoa, Kentucky Road Zero TV Edition, Serial's second favorite game of the year, Outer Wild, Sayonara Wild Hearts, Telling Lies, Watam, and What Remains of Edith Finch, all on PS4, including that is the first time that Telling Lies and Goragoa have appeared as a physical release on PS4. So it's a super, super cool collection. Go check that out and show them some support. Everything you buy at iMapit's store, uh, in their store, anything under $100, you can use the promo code to get 10% off. And the promo code is MONSTERMAX. All caps, no spaces. MONSTERMAX is how you get 10% off everything in the iMapit store, as long as it's under $100. Uh, thank you to I Am to 8-Bit for supporting MinMax in a huge way. You can support us as well and make the show better by submitting a question for us to read on the MinMax Show podcast. If you support us at any tier on Patreon, you can submit a question. And we choose our favorite question every single week, and we ship them out an amazing prize. And this week, thanks to I Am 8-Bit, they will be shipping out the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Turtles in Time vinyl soundtrack beloved soundtrack on a cool vinyl presentation so thank you to i8bit for shipping that out and let's see who's gonna win this sucker because you know what leo it's like every round of community questions it's like a competition a friendly competition you know yeah i'm always curious is it ben hansen is 8-bit or is it really i am 8-bit <laughs> i never know what, you, what the name of the product is oh my god all the, this one year that we've been doing this we haven't been clear it's i am 8-bit Literally. That doesn't answer the question, Hanson. (laughs) No, you don't understand. It's I am 8-bit, though. Okay, first question comes from Grizzled Gaming. They say, happy anniversary, gang. Thank you. Uh, And Ben, tell Leo Grizzled Gaming says, hello. He'll know what it means. Got it. Cool. (laughs) This question is aimed at the PC gamers among you, but do you typically buy your games outright? Or have you been taking advantage of services such as Uplay Plus, EA Play Pro? I used EA Play Pro to play Jedi Fallen Order last year for $15. And it's wild to think that I could do the same this year for Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Watch Dogs Legion. You don't hear much about these two services. Why do you think that is? Um, Grizzled Gaming, it's confusing. But it is definitely to the point now where if you do your research, you can find some very cheap ways to play a lot of games. What does everybody think about these? It's kind of sunk cost fallacy for me all the way through. I, just owning all the Ubisoft and all the EA games I would ever want already before they came out with those services. And now it's like if I had, was getting access to a backlog I was interested in, it'd be a great proposition. But at this point, I don't really care. Really? But I, I'm, I'm kind of intimidated by those third party companies. Maybe I shouldn't be. But like I'm always like, eh, I don't, you know, I, I I'd rather just go directly through Steam or something, you know. Yeah, and I feel like you can only have so many gaming subscriptions, and when Game Pass is such a good deal, I feel like, well, if it's that good, they'll throw it in Game Pass eventually. 
Yeah, I, I think there's also like the idea of having to keep up with that stuff of like, well, I have to, you know, if I want to play Fallen Order for $15, I'd have to subscribe, play through the game, and then I'm subscribed. And then if you're doing that with multiple services at a time, if you're like the kind of person who plays multiple games, then you have to set all these reminders. And so like, I think the just buying the game outright when it's whenever it's on sale or for full, full price, if you're that type of person, uh, is like this easier, cleaner transaction. And I think, yeah, a lot of people have a bunch of other subscription services that are uh like that are already hard to keep up with so um i think there's like this weird mental tax on having all these different subscription services even if they could end up saving you a bunch of money like yeah having to buy the game for 30 dollars. is a notification in your phone worth 45 bucks like well yeah absolutely but still there's Mm -hmm. something there but leo i'm stunned like you're gonna get watchdogs legion why not just get this and then cancel it well, I'm not going to be done playing Watch Dogs Legion in a month. Uh, whatever, two months. Still, you'll well, save money. I right? won't even be out. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it's, it'll, it'll catch me later, right? Like, it's a great idea at first, and then I'll forget about it, and then Ubisoft won't have released a game in six months, and I'll still have paid for it that whole time. Yeah, you also... I just, like, those are... Like, the question of whether or not you actually own games... Yeah. at this point it's like can all be taken away from you at some point kind of scares me like i still buy physical games mostly but really? mostly because it's easier to share them with my wife like that's our big thing you know because it gets i mean there are things you can do like you can have your home account on your another xbox and like you know play on this xbox with all but it's like if we just have a disc it's just so much easier and you you it's like totally you own that game there's no question about it that license can't be taken away from you in the future you know yeah Far as far as writes in and says, "Hey cohorts, do you have any predictions of who will be the first good mass market game streaming service?" Also, P.S. Ben, please perform the next line in your best "What about Bob" impersonation. Uh, all right, this is <clears throat> deep cut, but we got to do it because <clears throat> we appreciate our Patreon supporters. Get out of the car! All right, that's from What About Bob, ladies and gentlemen, 1993's greatest film, second to Jurassic Park. Uh, <laughs> and probably the greatest, but also second to uh, Jurassic Park. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it, it, simple question. What is going to be the first good mass market streaming service here? Do you think Amazon's Luna is going to take it? Do you think Stay is going to take it? xCloud, where are we leaning? xCloud. Great. People are already actively paying for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I, I think you could make. I I don't think it's too much of a leap to say that at some point Valve might step in and say like, hey, you pay us fifteen dollars a month, you can just stream your library or wherever. You can put it on everything, and we have apps or whatever. You you can put it on your phone, which they already sort of do with some of their like Steam Link stuff, right? Uh, but that's more like a local solution and not like, oh, I'm in a hotel room or you know, not that that happens very often now, but like. You know, uh, if you're looking for a streaming solution of like, I don't want to have to download this game. I want to just stream it. You can just buy the game. And then, you know, if it's attached to a platform like Steam, which I think people have come to see as reliable, uh, I think that could that could be huge. I think. I mean, NVIDIA is already kind of offering that. And yeah. I feel like people aren't really taking notice of that. You That's know? true. But I think it's because like, you know, no, people haven't set up shop with NVIDIA yet of like, oh, yeah, I buy all my games through the NVIDIA store. And I think that's what Steam has as, as an advantage is like that's where people go to game on PC. Uh, but that, that's what I'm saying. Like with the NVIDIA streaming service, you can play all your Steam games. Right. right? But that, that, I think there has been like some licensing issues of like the, oh, they didn't tell yes. the, the developers and stuff that they were doing that. So I think right. Steam would have like, you know, if, a, if they were to tell an indie developer, it's like, hey, now people can stream your game. And so if, if they can't run it, they can still play it. I think people would be more likely to trust them than like NVIDIA. 
Yeah. But I, I do really think it's Microsoft because I think yeah. it's it because it's already like when it launches, it will already be available to people like in a few months, they'll they'll realize it's an option and just start and they'll try it. You know, they already pay for it. It's there. You what, know what I mean? So are, I think that gives it the leg up in terms of long term success, potential success. What know? do you think? Oh, one year from now, what is the state of xCloud? Is it in that PS Now arena of like technically it's a feature or is it? I mean, do, will you know anybody that uses xCloud on a regular basis one year from now? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I think it's going to be the first. Yeah, I think it'll be like, yeah, it's that thing of like, it'll be not totally forgotten, but it'll be on that like list of cool things about um, Game Pass. It's like, it'll, when you list off the things, it's like, yeah, free first party games, I get EA games. I do that streaming thing. It'll be like third on the list of when you're thinking right. through why, like when you look at your bank account and you're like, why am I paying for this? And then you, when you think through it in your head, that's what you'll, that's the yeah. list you'll come up with. I also think it like, it, like the best case scenario is that it ends up not being talked about much. And like, it's just about um, like, you don't talk about like, Oh, I was streaming it through like Netflix, which is a great, fantastic service that everyone loves. It'll be like, I, I, I watched this movie on Netflix and that that'll be like the one mention. It'll be like, Oh, I played, you know, final fantasy 16 on X cloud. And that that's just where it comes up in conversation. Mm. Uh, so it's not like people don't rave about their favorite streaming services. It's more like they like the media that they play on them. So it'll just be a thing like, yeah, I managed to play Final Fantasy 16. I, I played God of War or like, you know, well, probably not God of War. Uh, <laughs> uh, Halo Infinite. And I played like, you know, Cuphead 2 or whatever. Uh, and so like they just happened to play them through xCloud and that's how they got them, you know, and they're not going to be like constantly talking up xCloud. So you might not hear about it a lot, but I think it'll just be quietly humming along in the background. Yeah. That feels to me like where that technology like will rest comfortably for a long time is like just for specific cases and with you know parsec for ubisoft demos and things that have way everybody played watchdogs legion not that i know anything about that um, <laughs> yeah but as far as in consumers it's like consumers have had the chance to use this technology for a long time and have opted out and i don't see how that would change anytime soon yeah i mean stadia was swinging pretty big uh this week by announcing hey we're going to have a bunch of free demos on stated you can just jump in there and play those things uh they're gonna have a demo for immortals phoenix rising ladies and gentlemen uh ubisoft's big game coming up soon it's gonna be out for like I think a week, but it's an incredible opportunity to play that game. You will be playing it on Stadia. Um, they also released a demo for an upcoming Pac-Man game called Pac-Man Mega Tunnel Battle, which is the Pac-Man Battle Royale that everybody's been craving. But not. I think there actually is another game called Pac-Man Battle Royale. This isn't that. So this is basically the equivalent of what they did for Super Bomberman, where it's like, okay, you have your Pac-Man grid, and then they stack a bunch of other people also in their Pac-Man grids, and then you can unlock the ability to travel between the grids. I played it a bit, and uh, not not great. It's not the highest production. I'm sorry, Leo. And it's a little <laughs> bit... It's kind of a janky <laughs> Leo, game. It's okay. Leo, it's okay, Leo, Leo, Leo. <laughs> They still have the music. He goes wampa wampa wampa. You can put a hat on Packy. They got things for you, man. Is that the sound he makes? Wampa wampa wampa. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Appa appa appa. Um, the Avatar fan. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> the uh, it's kind of like a janky game, and so it's tough to tell how much of this is Stadia versus just the game itself. You know, it's kind of in that limbo of I think some of it might be on Stadia's end, but also it's a pretty low budget from Namco here, so it's tough to get a read on. Pac-Man Mega Tunnel games Battle. that you play and you're like, mm, yeah, yeah, Tetris 99 is pretty good. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or yeah, a lot of other battle royales are are pretty good, and this is just not the greatest implementation. And it's going to be twenty bucks when it releases as well. So it's like, oh, but who knows? I was I was interested to see Stadia pushing those demos so hard. I think a lot of people will check out Immortals if it's like the only way to play that demo at that point. It seems like yeah, a good reason. Yeah, you can always extort people for sure. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. But actually, in terms of like Stadia really uh, pulling out all the stops here, I thought it was fascinating that in the last Cyberpunk 2077 uh, Nightwire City video, they reversed themselves and said, actually, Cyberpunk will be available day and date on Cyber- er, on uh, Stadia, which they previously, previously said was going to be a later date. But I don't know if... Google was just like, for love of God, CD Projekt Red, we'll give you all the money in the world, or we will just give you these engineers, please make this happen. But I think it's still now a big deal to have that game available on Stadia for folks. If they really push that in marketing, like... And if you couldn't preload, you probably can, but if you couldn't, then you could play it sooner on Stadia than anything else. That's an interesting point, yeah. But there is something about like, oh, you can play the PC version of this, the best looking version of this game before mm-hmm. the next gen version is technically out for the consoles. So I'm curious to see how that tech works and what their messaging is about that because it, it could be an interesting way to play that game for a lot of folks. Um, Philly Eat Steak. Philly Eat Steak. He says, woo, congrats on the year. Woo. Thank you, Philly. Uh, my question is unrelated to your anniversary. All right, let's see who else has got one. Um, an attack, no. Um, but no less timely. Next week, Little Hope releases, which is the second entry in the Dark Pictures anthology. I adored Until Dawn, but was lukewarm on Man of Medan, so I am cautiously optimistic about Little Hope. What worries me is on the PlayStation Store, there's a bundle of Man of Medan and Little Hope and is referred to as Volume 1 of the anthology. I'm worried this is being treated as a possible stopping point for the franchise if it doesn't do well. What do y'all think's going on here? Extra congratulations to Jeff Markey, a father. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> What's going I mean, on I, with this? I love that approach of what they're doing. Like, I have same kind of take as uh, was it Philly Philly Cheesesteak Man? Is that his name? Philly, Philly Eat Steak. Eat. Yeah. Okay. Nailed it. Um, but like, I I really liked uh, Until Dawn. Was also lukewarm on Man of Medan, but I'm, I'm more excited about this one. The premise is more interesting to me for this one because this is spooky I, witches. Yeah, you're like in a small town off the beaten path with like you know yeah with like witches i don't know something uh, about being on the boat just wasn't that interesting to me it's such right. a weird specific thing but i was like i don't know i don't want to be on here <laughs> I, but um uh so i i hope it's successful because i want them to maintain that model i like the idea yeah. of shorter sort of scary games rather than like waiting a long time for a big long until dawn experience i'd rather have the sort of isolated play around with the genre more episode to episode you know um, so yeah, but that is a good point of like, if this one, I don't think Man of Medan was like a huge hit. I think it did. I would assume it did fine. Yeah. But I mean, it, it is kind of make or break with this one. Hopefully we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I'm very curious to see how this series goes on in the future. Cause I remember, yeah. you know, when their explanation of what dark pictures anthology was, they're like, I think of it like the legend of Zelda. We'll just release games under this banner. And I hope that they're there, but we'll see. Um, an attack Corgi writes in, Wait, hold on. They used a, like a huge franchise that releases like every five because years. Because people were confused about like what this means, if all these games are going to be connected, if it's episodic, and they're like, no, no, it's just like a naming thing for different games. Okay. It's like Zelda. You play it on your console with a controller, and there's a guy <laughs> in it or more. <laughs> a guy in it or more. And the title does not reflect the protagonist, which will confuse everyone yeah. for decades. Okay. Yes. Go. There's no yes. character named Dark Picture or Little Hope. 
And I'm Little Hope, your sidekick. Uh, I'm the man of my dad. <laughs> and Attack Corgi writes in and says, we all have one game idea, that one pitch that we'd make if we worked in game development. Give me your most complete video game idea elevator pitch. And after you're done, the other panelists have to green light or ignore the game. Oof, ignore is a tough, tough, brutal word. This was a scary one because like, yeah, I guess there's some ideas for games floating around in my brain, but I don't know if I want to share them, but like, what am I talking about? I'm never going to make these stupid games. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm laughing at the idea of like a developer pitching a, a, a game to a, a studio head and the studio head just like not, like, just, Ignoring like, trying, not looking at the documents and just Three like, out of five. Yeah. 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 In their chairs. yeah. Like they're, <laughs> like they're running him down the hall and he's like, just like power walking, trying to avoid them. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, does anybody have a game pitch? I uh, wrote a design doc for a VR chat server game that I was going to make with my friend, and we're probably not, so I'm just going to put it out there so anybody can make it and send it to me, and then I can play it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's called Office Politics, and it's basically a game set in an office where everybody has a little office task to do, and you're all trying to do yours and stop everybody else from doing theirs. And so, uh, like, somebody could have to... uh, hack someone else's computer or get a file from someone else's computer onto their flash drive or eat someone else's lunch. And so there are these important objects that people are like hiding from each other or chucking across the room. Right. They try to dupe each other into uh, letting you complete your task. And if people leave you alone long enough, you can work at your computer. And if you work for two minutes, then you can win that way. That by just fun. blending in. I have like a three-page document about it really i'll send it to him that's impressive you could still make that man yeah (laughs) have you wanted to make a game in in your life before for sure i for a long time i thought that was the path my life would go on you know go on to make games and then i just kept trying and kept being too dumb for it (laughs) (laughs) my my brain cannot handle the things that programmers have to handle in their brain and then media molecule give you dreams on a silver platter and it was like dumber please yeah even dumber would be great media molecule (laughs) that's good um unfortunately i'm going to choose to ignore it i love it green light boom i'll green light it wow all right. No return on investment here, guys. It's a VR chat server. <laughs> look, I, I, as uh, look, we're I'm. My name is something Bezos, and we're we need some original property to help. You know, like we just had our last game launch, and it did not. It could not go any worse than that. So uh, unlaunched. Office Pol- We're giving you all of the money that we had left over for development to Office Politics. Yeah. So you got to make it for no money. Is what please, please help me, Mr. Bezos. <laughs> okay. Don't you dare. <laughs> Call me by my casual name, the wealthiest man on earth. <laughs> How often do you think you Please, my friends call me the wealthiest man on earth. <laughs> do you think Mr. Wealthiest Man on Earth was my father? My wife has me uh, as that on her phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, Don't you forget it. How often do you think Jeff Bezos thinks about that? Like, do you think he's ever had more than one second of satisfaction about like, huh, look at that? I think we all imagine him waking up every morning and looking in the mirror and winking and it becomes Han Solo like 500 days of summer, you know? But I bet that's barely a blip on his radar. He's for sure as tormented as the rest of us and he should definitely try giving all his money away and see if he feels better. Yeah. Yeah. 
Just see, just you know, just see what happened. He yeah. could give it, away. Hey, Bill Gates seems pretty emotionally healthy. It works for him. So, well, yeah, that's true. But I mean, how much money does Bill Gates have now? Because he's doing been he's been doing a lot of you know positive I things. Was more referencing the sort of giving away like half your <laughs> your your work. Imagine how happy you'd be if you gave it it all away, though. Yeah. yeah. To office politics. Fund that game, Bezos. Uh, this can be your legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody else have a game they want to pitch? I, uh, I really don't. Like, I really was interested in like being, you know, critical of games and writing about games, but like, it was never making them was really never something on my radar. Honestly, like, hmm. I just like playing them and thinking about them. But I don't know. That, that's not to say I would never come up with something or get excited about an idea but yeah yeah really no i wanted to back when i graduated college when i was in college my goal was i wanted to produce educational games that was that was my goal but specific game ideas i remember i had a note here so i looked it up one says cutting grass from zelda as core it's a little confused. I think it's just the core idea based around that because it's just the best part of Zelda games in my mind. Sorry. Um, not the but Breath of the Wild. really like detailed grass? I guess so. I don't know. I don't know. This one is the still... Or simulator or something? Yeah. This one's still, I think, a humdinger, which is the... Okay, let me set it up. This is a pitch. This is, this is patently stupid. You all know when you go to an Pass. art museum... Okay, well, thank you for having me here, Mr. <laughs> Bezos. Uh, when you go to... Please, wealthiest man in the world. <laughs> when you go to an art museum or historical museum, let's go to some fancy British museum, and they have some statue from 1000 BC, and you just get that urge in your soul to destroy it. That's what this is about. <laughs> this is a VR game where you're in museums you jump between different museums and you unlock different tools to destroy everything so it's kind of like that scene from batman 89 where you can throw paint on the famous paintings but you can also just take like a jackhammer to the venus de milo just annihilate these things just imagine having a vr sledgehammer and going around a museum wouldn't that be satisfying as hell That's like a bla- blast core idea. but like okay. Yeah. Yes, just so we, focused on like a person with tools, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, Bezos Games likes this idea. However, <laughs> yeah. I don't think we have the money to license art or whatever. I'm a money man. I don't know how these things work. Do you have to the license? The only thing the... we have, uh, please don't interrupt him. I'm the wealthiest man in the world. Thank you. Uh, I we all, we recently got the license to the Eric Andre show, so I think we're gonna have to pivot to make this about the intro to the Eric Andre show, and it will star Eric. You will be Eric Andre okay. destroying the set at the beginning of every Eric Andre episode. Uh, you have six months. Please make this game, or uh, you're all fired. Okay, great. And can let's we, go. Can we pause on the Eric Andre show real quick. Yeah, I I caught that at like what that show was in like an age that like just doesn't exist anymore, where I was flipping through channels. Like I was watching live TV. Uh, Leo, right. this was a thing that used to exist where you, they would just they would just put stuff on TV. You didn't get to choose. And you the weird watch. thing was like I guess technically the channels were like going through you at all times. And if you just had like a piece of metal the right way, they would, would appear. Channel, yeah. uh, you know, Univision. In my case, yeah. But like I, I just I will. It's like an experience I I genuinely think no one would ever have again at this point. But like I was flipping through channels and I was like, oh, Adult Swim has like a talk show now. That's interesting. And then the set destruction happened, and I was just like, <laughs> what is this? Like I yeah. had it totally blindsided me in the best way, where it was just like 
I was flipping through channels. I just thought I was catching something completely normal, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> what did I stumble upon here? It was, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. It's still, yeah, if you just need a good laugh. I, I was resistant to it at first. Like, the first person that showed me Eric Andre, I was like, ah, I don't know about this. But now it's to He's a point. It's much. It's a bit much, but if you, if it catches you in the right mood, it is one of the funniest things you can watch. For sure. Uh, yeah. What's he doing? That show's not on anymore, right? New season. Uh, it is. Oh, month. really? Oh, my God. Yeah. Out of the loop. He was part of the, the uh, Run the Jewels did like a, a, a concert to get out the vote and stuff. And he was like, he was doing bits between the songs and stuff where he was uh, basically, he was doing like an Eric Andre show light where he was like the, the guy taking calls or whatever. We are taking your calls and convincing you to vote or whatever. But yeah. I think there were actual phone lines, but he was doing his <laughs> stick. Huh. That's all right. That's good. So, um, Surreal, do you have a video game pitch for us? Uh, it's, I'm sorry, real quick. Uh, the museum thing. Do you have a name for that game? Um, the backstage pass folks watching us live, um, they're trying to riff off something about Night at the Museum. Maybe it could be tied to that. I don't have one. Yeah, I saw no. that. I was thinking Naughty at the Museum. Mm. Naughty at the Museum is pretty good. It can kind of be like a Ben Stiller lookalike, like, what, me, woey type of look. When like you look in the mirror, yeah. <laughs> your hand's always doing that on your lip. That'd be good. You try to pull it okay. off. It's like... <laughs> or it's like, yeah, or maybe it's like framed as like, you know, it's somebody who goes back a gazillion years from like Egypt and they're like, oh yeah, British Museum, if you're going to steal all of our cool stuff, get a load of this. Amusement of modern art? Mm. Some, some portmanteau of museum and amusement. No, Cyril, I don't want the game to sell too well, and I feel like with the game, with the name like amusement, <laughs> we want to art. set our expectations low here at Amazon. No, I think it's I think it's Blast Core Two colon Art Stuff. Mm. Okay, that's not what bad. We called it uh, Bloodborne Two. Is that taken? <laughs> hey, speaking of game names, there's a game coming out this week for PS4. Um, <laughs> And it's one of the, it, it stopped me in my tracks for how lame of a name this is. No offense <laughs> to the developers. I'm sure it's solid and, and hats off to them for finishing a game. But the game they're trying to sell is called A Tale of Paper. <laughs> Hot right. on the PS4. How's Tale spelled? T-A-L-E. Like the, a legend of paper. Okay. Yeah, to each their own. Serial? Uh, 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 yeah, I was just going to say uh, uh, Brutal Legend, but hip hop. And it's not an RTS. That's the entirety of my... That's good, sketch. man. That you're traveling inside worlds made up. Just like Wu-Tang Clan alone, I think, encompasses 30% of that world at least. You get some licensed artists. Uh, it's not a real-time... I, I cannot stress enough that it's not a real-time strategy game, so people hmm. might actually like it. So like turn-based strategy? Uh, it's like a character action game, I, I would imagine, or okay. whatever's popular at the moment. But uh, it's uh, uh, Vince Staples is in it. Um, all other Martin artists that people will like by the time it's done. Okay. Well, <laughs> Megan Thee Stallion, I'm going to shoot my shot and say she's in it. <laughs> warmer, warmer. Yeah, um, there's, uh, uh, there's a status uh, effect called magmatize and Nas can't be magmatized because he says it in that one song that he can't, you can't magmatize him. <laughs> that is true. Very good. <laughs> he does say it a lot. All right. Well, yes, old man, we'll take it. Um, here's my other idea. This is actually the game that I would make because it's not impossible. Wait, so you gave me, the wealthiest man in the world, a fake pitch? Yeah, I was just, look, you never want to go in with your A game. I wanted to to warm you up, richest man in the During world. During a pitch meeting, you don't want to give your best? <laughs> no, everybody knows that. You pitch your B material because you save the A stuff for you. I like your moxie. <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> now give me all your money. Uh, <laughs> so here's 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 the game that I would actually try and make. Um, I would make a game inspired by WarioWare, but it's about Einstein on his deathbed. And on his deathbed, his entire life flashes before his eyes, and it's a series of WarioWare-style games that teach you about the life of Einstein, and there'd probably be some educational aspects as well about what he has added to society. And then as you play it, you expand more and more and more, and more of his life is randomized into this quick shuffle. And then that's like the first one. And then like the okay. second one, you can get weirder because you need that Einstein brand for that. And then the second one, you can get weirder and just like, you know, make it about like, oh, it's my dad's life. And here's just a bunch of different moments from your, his your, life. Your dad specifically? Yeah. After I end my father's life, I'll make the game. Um, but that's it. Now, is that, is that going to have to happen before the game releases? Yeah. Or is, how are we going to deal with that legal hurdle? I assume you could handle this richest man in the world. I mean, I can. I just don't want to, you know, like, I don't want to expend too much effort on this. But also... Uh, would this at all be able to factor in the Eric Andre license? Because that's really, we're trying to push that really hard. <laughs> so it's like the desk's life flashing before it's live. Okay, great. I love the idea. Cyril, I love the idea of Bezos like really just staying awake at night like, oh, what am I going to do with this Eric Andre license? We've got to get some value out of The doppelganger bit. That, yeah. has to do, that has to be something. It's, is Sandberg available? <laughs> we hope you like our game. Crucible colon game starring Andy Samberg. <laughs> <laughs> He's the doppelganger. It's perfect. That's true. Uh, anyways, Leo, you were nodding a little bit. Are you into that life flashing before your eyes as a way to take on WarioWare games? Because it wouldn't be that yeah. hard to make, right? WarioWare doesn't own micro games. Ever played? Uh, what was that one for BSB called? Frobisher Where, says. Oh, WTF? Uh, work time fun. Both of those, I think, are actually the right answer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, All right. Hey, we have more emails or questions that people submitted on Patreon. It's crazy. I thought it kind of was. Oh, you're doing emails? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I thought we were just role-playing Bezos (laughs) for hours. (laughs) Uh, Al Davis writes in. Um, and he says, big congrats to the Holman Max crew with the first year of success and world domination. And to Jeff, I'm on the new kiddo. Thank you. Uh, my question is, what console have you had the most struggles with controller reliability for? We all know the Switch Joy-Cons are notorious for drifting. However, I've had j- much more trouble with Xbox One controllers. I've had six different GameCube controllers, and each time they bug me. Each time they bug me, I fix them with the old reliable unplug and blow on the connector method that hasn't failed me yet. Uh, all right. Most unreliable controllers. Where are y'all at? PlayStation um, 4. Yeah. Really? Honestly? Yeah, connecting that is that is that that's always yeah. been my main issue. Yeah, that that connecting port for the micro USB is a canyon. I worked with so many PS4s at Game Informer, multiple in my personal life. Always a problem securing a connection when you're syncing a controller and, of course, charging it. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's terrible. Every time it's happened, it's pushed me closer to the brink, <laughs> breaking me as a man. <laughs> and he's about to break uh yeah it's always this weird thing of like okay do i need to plug the controller in before i turn the system on do i need to turn on the system and then plug the thing in it's always plugging and the controller is always somehow involved or it's like you have to do that weird thing where you have to hold the share button and the guide button for like five seconds and that resets the bluetooth on it or something what i've never done that. i feel like i've done like all of those at some point but for i think me, it's, it's just figuring out how to lean it against something that there's enough pressure on it that it forces the connection. I think you're just dealing with some wonky ass game Hundreds informer PS4s. Yeah, no, this is dude, this is a consistent thing. Life. I've gone really? like there will be occasions where I need to change a, a controller to another PS4 
and I have to go through like six USB cables to try to find one that grabs a connection. It's Weird. absolutely, I'm with Leo. I don't think it's a Leo issue. I think it's a yeah. humanity issue. Thank you. Wow. It is a humanity issue. I think we're trying, we're working to address it as a species. <laughs> Bill Gates is working on it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, the other one, the other quick one, which I think PS4 and, and maybe even a little PS3 in that regard, like I've I had similar issues with, but like I, it's ma- it's magical in the year 2020 if you can find an N64 controller that doesn't have a loose control stick. Like yeah. if I find one that had the plastic hasn't worn down, I'm like, oh my god, this thing is like someone must have like locked this in a time vault and not touched it for like <laughs> 20 years or whatever. I gotta say, Kyle, mine are pretty good. I got four that are that are all right. That's good. That's impressive, man. That's thank yeah. you. Good job. Thank you. You didn't play enough Ocarina of Time, I guess. Yeah, that is true, actually. Um, Lewis Kane writes in, we get this a lot. This is an interesting refrain. For years, people have been writing in about this. Uh, He says, happy anniversary, gang. Been a great year and hopefully first of many. Thank you. Great thing to write in for years about? It's, I don't know why people have been doing it. Even back at Game Informer, they said, congratulations on your Min-Max anniversary. Um, now he says, going off a question from a few weeks ago about what music takes you directly back to a gaming memory, I made a voice note while striving to remind myself to write in about this as it was extremely important to let you all know that the song Mirrors by Justin Timberlake will always remind me of my first playthrough of Metal Gear Solid 3, specifically the mountain segment right after the Snake Eater ladder. I was really into that song back then. I challenge anyone to have a more disparate pairing than Justin Timberlake and Metal Gear Solid 3 when it comes to songs and video games being connected in your brain. I I have a lot of these because I really yep. took advantage of the 360 and Xbox's like soundtrack option where you mm. could like save full CDs. Uh, the weird one for me is Radiohead's Hail to the Thief is forever connected to the game Crackdown for me. Perfect. Because uh, I would always this I would I was really into Crackdown when it came out and. I would start up the game and then I would start up Hail to the Thief in the background. And so like if you know how Hail to the Thief opens, it's like this crackling kind of sound like like speaker like uh speakers coming on. That sound effect is just always tied to me leaving the agent base and crack down. <laughs> it's like once I hear that, I just get immediately taken back to driving out of that tunnel and like heading into the city. It's it's really weird. Yeah. And then um cool I was feature. I was listening to uh I was listening to Arcade Fire a lot. Uh, when I was really into Dead Space 2 and there's <laughs> you play uh, there's um you know you're on the sprawl that's what like the um the space station is called yeah and there's two songs on that arcade fire that year that album oh. came out sprawl and sprawl 2 so those are tied together Perfect. sprawl 2 is such an amazing song and so that I have tied to Dead Space and then my last quick one is I would listen to Enema the State from Blink-182 on loop while playing Link to the Past <laughs> so that's tied to that <laughs> What's my age again? Running around Hyrule. That is a mood, baby. I colored my hair again. It's purple? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it, I'm curious to check the dates. I bet they were really close, but for me, like the album-wise, it's Modest Mouse's Good News for People Who Love Bad News and SSX3. Because I could hook it into my sound system and have that playing through along with the sound effects of the games. So that was a very deep one. But then the biggest is... For some reason, the first Pink Floyd album I really got into was the second disc of The Wall. And so the second disc of The Wall is forever ingrained in my mind with Final Fantasy VI that I was playing at the time. So like hearing Hey You will bring me right back to Final Fantasy VI. So it's a it's an odd one. Uh, for me, it is a collection of uh, the best of Rob Zombie <laughs> and the game uh, Sonic Heroes. I played on the GameCube. That's the one where you could play as all. It was you played as a team of three every level. Uh, it was not good. 
but I played through all of it. And I, whenever I, I imagine there's like a Canyon level where you're kind of flying around a lot and I have that. And the, uh, the opening of more human than human stuck in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) So did you ever hear the Sonic heroes theme? I mean, I heard it at the main menu. Okay. Oh yeah. No, that, that song would loop when I worked at like game stop. Like I know that theme very well. Sonic heroes. Like a laser beam. My eyes on you. Yeah. (laughs) Careful guys. We're going to get taken down on YouTube. Just stop singing it. It's too perfect. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm the richest man in the world. I can stop them. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for being here. Richest man in the world. Uh, Leo, do you have one? The halo theme always reminded me of halo. (laughs) That's great, man. Thanks so much. Ryan Brister writes in, he says, between Crash 4 and Super Mario 3D All-Stars, I've been doing a lot of platforming in the past month. It's gotten me to thinking about platformer level design and what it is that makes a good level. My question is, what are some of your favorite platforming levels of all time? What makes them stand out from the many, many others? Is it a clever mechanic, a thrilling set piece, sketchy music, some combination of the three? Great question, Ryan. It's got to have variety. It's got to have, like, some something big and unique. Um, One... One that sticks out to me is like I think it's I think it's the last level. The last level of Jack and Daxter um, is really intimidating when you see it because it's like really disparate platforms like over I think it was lava. I can't remember. It's instant death if you fall down though. But the way it actually ends up being a lot of fun and not super challenging because what the way it works is the the platforms basically launch you like super high. So what you're doing is you're just like doing these like phenomenal huge jumps from yeah. tiny platform to tiny platform and it just is really thrilling and satisfying to just like leap around like that like that's one that i'll because i the thing that i liked about it so much was like oh my god this looks so hard and then i started playing i was like this is a blast i'm just like flying through the air this is awesome you know it's a great way to end that game yeah it's weird i was thinking about you know what stands out to me is like i think a 3d land which is one of my favorite games and like that first level i think where you do like the long jump down when you have that 3d on you're like floating through like that i think it's so dumb to be talking about in a genre all about jumping to be like yeah but the levels with the really big jumps are the best ones <laughs> those are sweet uh, yeah i think i recently played through this so i might have recency bias but gusty garden galaxy and super mario galaxy i yeah. think is one of the best that i've ever played and i think that's where that game's like central concept of like everything is a shape that you're kind of just flying around like i feel like that's when that game really says like wait the training wheels are off we're going to like, here's a, just a bunch of like disparate land masses that you're kind of just flying through. Uh, and like the ways they use that stuff to like, say this thing that you do on one side of it will affect, you know, this landmass on the other side of it. Uh, and like the, the boss of that level, like the, it's like this giant gopher thing that you're like stomping around and stuff. Uh, I think like that's when that game really gets going. And it, 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 that was like the game where like the music kicked in really nicely. Um, like all the, all the stars have you doing something very different. Uh, and like, I remember being like, man, I'm actually like revisiting this, like, like newly impressed by how good this level is. Yeah. And that this is like just this game's central concept, uh, at its best. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, Kyle, I finished crash four, uh, yeah. loved it, loved it, loved it. I think that game deserves a lot more praise than it's getting that last level. It did, it did show up on MPD though. I did so, see like, that. That is true. Is that good. is nice. It's in the top 10 or yep. top 20, I think, but still, yeah. Uh, but that last level is insane it's it's the last i don't know minute of the last level like ultimately when you finally get through it uh leo guess how many times i died on this level four thousand four thousand times ladies and gentlemen uh no uh, i think my total was 187 (laughs) like 
Nuts. Right or die. <laughs> it is truly insane. Like, I think it's harder than Meat Boy. Like, I beat Meat Boy, not all the hell stages or whatever, but it is just an SOB and it's fun because it's it's fair. It's just like so tight and I just kept doing it again and again and again and again. Yeah. But that, it, it's the little chunk at the end like uh, that I focus on because it's like a short little sequence yes. and like you can it it does a pretty good job of like showing you like if you the first time you you know you'll die a bunch of times but you when you make it about halfway through you can almost you can like see the flag and you're right. like oh I'm pretty close I can do this it's only 2 a.m. I'll get through this <laughs> oh my god it's <laughs> crazy uh, strange sloth writes in and says being in the backstage pass oh this is where this podcast gets self indulgent so. Morning, morning. Uh, Strange Sloth says, being in the backstage pass uh, that's here on Patreon and after listening to the meetings that form MinMax, it's great to hear the voices and personalities be natural and nonchalant. I also want to say that the people that you are is what keeps everyone in the community to keep coming back for more content. Thank you. Happy anniversary. P.S. I thought it was funny how much Hanson cursed. How often do (laughs) y'all curse? Again, just when I'm nervous, uh, I think mainly. I don't think I swear too much outside of that, right? No, I think so. you do. Okay, yeah, maybe slightly more than the average person, but uh, not not so much. But yes, uh, yeah, it is certainly a, a relaxed, weird tone in those uh, meetings. So thank you for listening to that strange sloth. Nick L writes in and says, "Happy anniversary, cohorts! Thank you. This past year has been a crazy one for sure. There's no way we could have predicted the hellscape that is 2020. Correct? I know MinMax has had plenty of surprises, both good and bad, as it continues to grow. What I want to know is, has anything gone perfectly according to plan?" Something you envisioned that has really gone exactly like you imagined. How does that compare to the surprises affect future planning? Um, so anything that has gone according to plan. Leo, what stands out to you? God, I don't think anything has gone according to plan. Correct. I think that's the, the big lesson, right? Is like, it'll never, you'll never have a perfect plan that it will go according to. It's like you've <laughs> got to have enough confidence to start something and then figure out what it is. As yeah. Soon as you can after that. <laughs> that said, I, I agree with that by and large, but it is interesting to go back and listen to those early meetings because it's like, hey, let's do photo mode snap. Let's do something in the vein of the great goatee hunt. I forget, you know, what we called it, hunting for game of the year or something. Um, you know, like, okay, deepest dives. We think those will do well. Uh, and then there's like funny specific stuff like, oh, the Helgeson podcast, the Oregon Trail doc. Like a lot of that stuff was laid out in those early meetings. And there's an interesting moment. I think somebody in the Discord pointed out that because your brother, Kyle, was my roommate. Yeah. And so he was in that first meeting. And there's a moment where I brought up like, yeah, maybe some of my friends can be on. Maybe like Ronnie. And then <laughs> your brother's like, Ronnie will kill on podcasts. It's like, yeah, yeah, I guess. And then it's funny, like Ronnie's on the deepest dives and people are just uh, offering themselves to the entity that is Ronnie at this point. Turns so, out us Hilliards know what we're talking about. <laughs> every time. Um, so it is, yes, there's been a lot of zigs and a lot of zags, but at the same time, it's like a lot of those big beats for this first year, I feel pretty good about and that it is a little bit according to plan. Obviously us doing this remotely and the world uh, melting down uh, is not something that we had in mind, but hopefully we have adapted well. I mean, there was that moment in the podcast where I said, I think there will be a pandemic and we'll have to yeah. do stuff from home. You kept talking about that. that. That's weird. Yeah. Get so a load of this. 200,000? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, Hunter S. Sachs writes in uh, and asks, uh, hey, what's been the content from MinMax that you've been the most proud of or just been the most excited by? I liked our skate week. Oh, yeah, hmm. Celebration of Tony Hawk. 
Yeah, that was a fun point of focus. Yeah, that was fun. It was a bummer. Our final stream there got nuked all to hell for all the music and the Tony Hawk games because we played like two and five and the demo of the new one and uh, it did not like that. That feels apropos for the Tony Hawk franchise though, right? Mm -hmm. Like music licensing issues. That's true. That's true. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I'm really proud of. I really liked the like art stream that I did with Kobe Soft Joe, uh, your friend, uh, Leo and ours, uh, where he just like talked about 3D modeling Um, and it was so chill and i just i like that weird educational thing out of the blue i'd love to do more of that kind of thing in the future um i am naturally really proud of the oregon trail documentary we released i guess we haven't talked about that on the podcast we talked about it a little yeah. bit last you should week should be by the way to chime in oh fresh yeah we released a 23 minute documentary on the origins of the oregon trail video game it's on our youtube channel um it's tight it moves fast. You'll learn a lot. The game goes back to 1971, and it's worth taking a minute just to appreciate how crazy it is that those developers created this game in 1971 when their competition was like an arithmetic game. You know, it's like there weren't many video games back in that era, if you want to call it that, even though it was on a teletype with not a screen and all that stuff. But learn about it in that documentary, please. And then you can give money to the New Vision Foundation charity, which is attached to that documentary as well. Um, but I think one of my favorite things we released this year is a Patreon exclusive, and it's when we're at VGM Con, and we had a video game spelling bee. It was like right at the borderline start of the pandemic. So we had a crowd at this convention, which is also just fun to do a panel in front of a crowd. It's kind of a new experience for us. Um, and then in that, we had a bunch of video game words, and people got in a line and tried to spell these video game words that got harder and harder and harder. And I thought that was so fun to create and listen to. And thanks to Grant and Amy, friends of the show who came up with the idea for it too. But I love that thing. I thought that was a blast. Yeah, that was fun. Thank you, Kyle. Someday we'll do it again. Someday. Someday. Yeah, I would do a video game spelling bee every week. Um, (laughs) Do you have anything that you're proud of? Anybody else? I'm proud of everything Leo's done. I'm going to take ownership over that. Oh, (laughs) Oh, sure. No, I, I I love the stuff that uh, Leah. I, I look so forward to it on both your personal channel and here at MinMax. Always compelling and hilarious. And uh, but as far as stuff that I've been involved with, Hanson. I mean, I like photo mode snap. I really enjoy. And then um, we also did that video about uh, Miyazaki and the interview with Miyamoto. Yeah, about his idea for a game, which is like really fascinating. You pointed me to that. I'd never seen that. And then we had that episode where we were talking about uh, court of owls the comic like uh, that that Max stuff spoilers. was fun too yeah, yeah the kind of oddball stuff yeah that's what that's yeah. what stands out right and so that was uh suyo ghibli miyazaki by the way he pitched yes. to miyamoto in this old interview the one game that he would like to make and it's insane uh and so we made a video all about that game as uh, so you can find that on our youtube channel by probably just searching miyazaki it'll pop up um and serial someday you'll crack it <laughs> No, I, I like Deepest Dive a whole lot. I think yeah. that, that, it, that it's a really good take on that format of just having like all the community input and, you know, going for, for however long we do on those. It's, it's yeah, it is nuts. But at the same time, I am so proud of those discussions, especially for just like how early they happened. The idea that we had that huge Final Fantasy VII remake discussion. It's like, yeah, that was the most thorough discussion about that game that people were still trying to process as it was being released or even Last of Us Part Two. You know, people people make fun of us calling it the best, most thorough discussion about this game on the internet, but, like, I dare somebody to find a more thorough discussion about The Last of Us Part Two on the internet than that. Like, us combined with then hundreds and hundreds of people playing and we filter those comments to get to the best of the best. Like, it is the best look at all these games. Yeah, yeah. So, I am proud of that. I think that's fun. 
I think that's fun. Thanks for your yeah, support. I, I also do like you know not that it, it was a short lived rest in peace, but I love mint snacks. I think I was I, <laughs> I, I was having a lot of fun with that before it got canned uh, due to the pandemic. But I think we were we were trying to we were still kind of figuring out what the show was. But I I, I think we had some pretty good ideas in that context of like we're not entirely sure how to do a food show, uh, right? So out of our wheelhouse, but you know I think what we produced I think was fun. Yeah, that's all that matters. Yeah, we had a good time doing that. Yeah, those were so strange in retrospect. That was years ago. Also, I'm surprised we're only one year old. I know. It was strange that I spent like 10 hours editing those two. Like, they were really a nightmare to cut together. Um, uh, people in the backstage pass, uh, Tay Pri says that he shared that Miyazaki video with so many people. It's a good example of why Min-Max stands out uh, to them. So that's nice. And Beaten Down Brian says that uh, Hanson's Final Fantasy VII video about the mobile game was great. Yeah, about that yeah. lost G-Bike game. That is still our best performing video, so I'm glad that one popped out uh, for whatever reason. Um, Marriott Player writes in and says, Hello, you amazing cohorts. Congrats on a year of Min-Max. Expanding your variety of content being a wonderful outlet for positivity. Uh, what would you say is the most important thing you've learned in the past year, be it MinMax specific, something more personal, or both? Tough one. I think for me, yeah. it's it's the the power and almost saying E is maybe seems a little bit simplistic, but the power of cutting out the middlemen, like the idea of just like, oh, in this age we're in now, let's just have it be the cleanest relationship possible between we'll make content you tell us what content you like and don't like and we'll keep making it and you support us on Patreon. Like, the purity of this thing is constantly amazing to me. Just like, yeah, we can go any direction. You know, I think the Trailheads documentary, the Oregon Trail documentary on our YouTube channel is a good example of that, of like, if people want us to make documentaries, I'd happily make documentaries if that's supportable on Patreon. It all just comes down to what people want and our time. And it just seems so good and simple. You know, and I have to do the taxes on it. And it's really not that bad. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Um, but then also, I think it's just a, a good lesson in like uh, appreciating what you have, you know, because uh, every time I get stressed out about anything at MinMax or just content, you're like, oh, we got to get this thing up. And I just have to sit back and realize like, or, you know, I think Leo and I are frustrated sometimes like, God, I wish this stuff was doing better. I wish the Oregon Trail documentary was doing better, all these things. And then you just realize like, this is such an insane luxury that we get to make content and there's an audience for it. Like I will never stop appreciating that and that it can support us in the way it does. It is mind bogglingly wonderful. So thank you again to everybody. For sure. Um, I, yeah, go I ahead. think I've learned uh, how to best make myself get stuff done better. Hmm. I feel like I've really learned how deadline oriented I am and how much I need deadlines that are not too strict, but still enough to, force my hand versus like when I have the energy to work on it, I will. And that just kind of leads to it never getting done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's putting it off. That's just learning how to work better, especially motivating myself working from home. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I wouldn't have finished that Oregon trail doc. I mean, I started in 2009 for love of God, if it wasn't for better quest and like setting that goal to actually finish this thing and then being held accountable by the community. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon Sylvia from easygoing gaming says, congrats on one year guys. Y'all have knocked it out of the park. Here's to another successful year in 2021. My question is, what kind... Oh, my question is kind of random and simple. (laughs) But what are some of your favorite Star Wars games that you feel like it overlooked? I'm excited for the season two of Mandalorian, and I personally think Star Wars Bounty Hunter is one of the most underrated Star Wars games of all time. Wow. 
Interesting choice, Brandon. All right, underrated Star Wars games. Let's get back to meat and potatoes of gaming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, underrated Star Wars. I mean, that's kind of like a... Uh, I don't know. Is that... Uh, are, does that exist? I, I guess. Yoda I don't stories. Because, like, I I love Shadows of the Empire so much. It's, like, yeah. probably, like, even, it won't, I, I would put uh, Fallen Order probably as, like, my favorite Star Wars game. But, like, in terms of nostalgia, like, Shadows of the Empire is just my favorite. You know what I mean? Like, I, and I've, I've talked about it a lot. Like, I even did a big feature for Game Informer talking to the director and stuff like that. But, I feel like I, I feel like people kind of it has like a bad rap as being like that crappy N64 Star Wars game, but I think it was like really like they tried to put a lot in that game and do really interesting things at a point where like 3D gaming was not established, you know? Right, right. So I have a lot of love for that game, but I don't know if I I don't know if like underrated is is accurate. I don't know. Yeah, I would go with um the RTS Galactic Battlegrounds, which is like in the Age of Empires 2 engine. I feel like yeah. I'm sure it sold a gazillion copies, but I think that one doesn't get enough love in retrospect. Show it some love, you guys. Uh, I I don't play a lot of Star Wars games. I think uh, Jedi Fallen Order was maybe the first one I played in a long time, but I really appreciate that Starkiller was in Soul Calibur 4. Because yeah. everyone <laughs> talked about Yoda and Vader, but Starkiller was maybe the best of those three characters. Hey, uh, hold that I, lightsaber behind you. It's pretty that's sweet. Cool that's cool as heck. It's pretty cool. Tell me that's not cool. Uh, <laughs> I can't. No, he, he's like possible. the most. It's so funny because he's like that. Like I remember like them pitching the Force Unleashed is like, oh yeah, this is like this is basically you know Fallen Order of its day. Uh, but it's like that yeah, that game it got one sequel and then no one cares about who Star Killer is. Obviously, they just kicked him out of the canon immediately. But <laughs> I remember thinking it's like okay, if if they if this is how cool they can make this guy play. Maybe they've got something going for it, but yeah, turns out no. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> for me, it's a Star Wars Pit Droids, which I played when I was five years old. It's like a puzzle game, Lemming style, where you kind of point the pit droids in the right way and you coordinate like different color ones to like walk past each other and not die. How much personality did they have? Were they were they charming and like? Rah, rah, rah. I mean, you know, they bounce around on the intro screen or whatever. Okay. They're dropping, their heads are falling off or whatever. That sounds funny. Uh, the music, though, I rediscovered recently. Really good, perfect background music for videos. Really? I used it in my latest YouTube.com slash Leo Vader video. Oh. It's exactly the ideal ambient background music. That's hilarious. Always safe ground using Star Wars music as your unlicensed music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shane Carly writes in and says, Hey, Ben and crew. Last week, thanks to listener question, there was some lamenting of the fact that the days of truly surreal and trippy video game concepts are mostly behind us. Well, allow me to direct your attention to a little game called Paradise Killer, which released on Switch back in September. Here is the opening text crawl from Paradise Killer, the first thing you see on the screen. The syndicate created the first Paradise Island to worship their dead alien gods. Guided by leader Montserrat, the syndicate attempt to resurrect gods by forcing citizens into psychic worship rituals. However, the worship invites demonic corruption from beyond the stars. The islands always fail. The islands die and a new Paradise Island is born. The cycle repeats. Anyways, this game is bonkers and it rules. No, that makes sense. Yeah, we're looking for surreal shame. Come on, not man. normal. Yeah, not the <laughs> definition not of normal. Live. Uh, yeah, I've been meaning to play. I've, I've been seeing a lot of uh, hype behind Paradise Killer. Is like this really trippy, weird game that it is like half like visual novel, half a, a like exploration game. But yeah, weird. Uh, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of people really excited about it. I just I'm kind of waiting for it to go on sale at this point so I can give it a shot. Huh. 
It uh, also it sounds if someone told me it was a Suda game, I'd be like just just the title alone, no other context. Right? Yeah, yeah. People, Suda's new game is called Paradise Killer. I'd be like, uh huh. Yeah, like, but the main character's name is really weird. I'm, I'm I'm trying to look it up. It's like Lady Love Dies or something. Hey, uh, Leo. Well, this is a Suda game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Leo. Leo, is this intercom hey. working? Yep. You, you know what? Leo. When someone says Suda, you know what Serial hears? Suit up. Hang on, Kyle. Getting ready to play. Kyle, is this microphone working? It's working very well. Okay. You sound Kyle, so great. When someone says Suda, Serial says, or sorry, hang on. Serial, is this is this intercom working? <laughs> yeah, hello. Yeah, when someone says Suda, Serial hears suit up. 51? Uh, Discord's cutting out the clapping, but Surreal seems to be breaking his wrists with the amount of clapping. We have a new uh, Citizen Kane himself. Well, those hands are gross and weird. I didn't think through that feature. Yeah. You... <laughs> clapping in the background and it won't be relevant. How horrific. Um... Where are we at? Travis Morgan writes in, Hey, y'all, congrats on the first year. Thank you. Many good memories of listening, interacting with people. <laughs> y'all, the main reason behind most of it. So thank you very much. That's nice, Travis. Thank you. Um, I know Ben listens to a lot of podcasts and perhaps everyone else does too, but how far behind have you ever gotten with a particular show? Do you try and listen to everything you miss or do you cut your losses and just jump to the most recent stuff? Depends on the thing. If it's like a gaming podcast, I'll cut my losses and jump to the most current one. Um, but some that are more timeless, it's fun to go back. Um, but yeah, how far behind have you gotten on stuff? I mean, I'm definitely in cut my losses mode on comedy. Bang, bang. It's definitely just check in for, for names that I like to see, just you know, Lauren Lapkus. Like, uh, well, uh, I think Taryn Killam was on a, a episode recently. And I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta show up for the twins, oh, man. <laughs> my God. <laughs> gotta that, show up for the twins. I'm with you. Like, for a while, I was like, well, I can kind of get the best of by just listening to the holiday specials where they cut the, together the best ofs. And then even the last year, two years, maybe, I didn't listen to those. But on my drive out to South Dakota to visit the Badlands and Black Hills, it was like late at night and I was driving and I was so tired. And I just listened to this year's Solo Bolo with Ben Schwartz. <laughs> and I was dying i thought i was gonna die it's just like it was like the most beautiful reunion with everything i loved about comedy bang and how stupid it is and they do their olympic singing marathon where they just freely sing songs the first songs that come to mind if they can connect them that's great and they just kept repeatedly i forget how many years they've been doing this bit in particular but they just kept going back to like my neck, my back, you know, the rest of that song. They just kept going back to that, like clapping along to it over and over again. I like almost had to pull over. I was dying, laughing so hard. So I, every time I tune good. in, it's like, this is so good. I, but I just, I don't know. There's so there, there's a lot of them and they're long. And yeah. It's like not always in the right headspace, but like still like if I'm like ranking my favorite podcasts of all time, even though I don't listen as often as I used to, it's still up there. It's like top five, top three, probably. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, Oh, like those farts and procreation episodes are still some of the funniest podcasts I've ever listened to. They just annihilated me. Yeah, Anyways. I thought they're free. They're like outside of the Stitcher thing. You can just find them in the free feed. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, For me, I, I've let every podcast fall behind in quarantine, except I was just realizing the shirt I'm wearing is podcast, but outside hmm. is the only one I bothered to catch up on. Yeah. Of course, recommend the video version. Are they still outside? They're back outside and they have the chair that the guest sits on six feet away from the table and they all have masks on. Oh, perfect. It's back outside. That's great. Uh, ben O'Donnell says, hello, everyone, and congrats to Jeffum. Thank you. 
Uh, would you be able to reach into your closet? Oh, okay, here we go, y'all. Would you rather be able to reach into your closet to pick out and wear anything your mind can think of or be able to walk into your bathroom to grow, cut, and style your hair in any way you want instantly? Great question, Ooh. Ben. There's only one answer here, and we'll all say it on the count of three. So we're either going to say closet or bathroom. Does everybody understand the stakes? Yeah, and we say after three, right? One, two, yeah. three, word? Yeah. Okay. Okay. One, two, three, bathroom. Bathroom. Wait, who's a closet boy? Kyle. I'm closet. Really? The clothes? That just seems like a hassle. I can't be that creative with clothes. I'm not smart enough to do that. Why, why clothes I guess I'm it? just also like, I don't, I, I, I'm kind of picky about my hair and like, I don't really think about it or mess with it much. I don't want to change it much. I want it to kind of stay pretty similar outside of growing longer and longer. I want it to or stay clothes, pretty. At least I can like, I'm willing to be different day to day, you know? You guys cannot even imagine the characters I would be doing if I could change my hair completely. <laughs> Just <laughs> your constant struggles to grasp. Wooly Willy impersonation. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, just for me, like being able to see what something looks like, you know, like the, the redhead esque, like, oh, this is okay. Best, this is what the hairstyle would look like on me. Okay, cool. And not having to like, you know, trim in and then realize, oh, actually, I don't know if I like this haircut actually, but I have to stick with it now. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. It'd just be like a video game. You get to mix and match different things. Like I could see what it looks like if I grew up my beard for a hundred years and then just walk around the streets for one day is that, you know, I think what it'd if, be really fun. Or just like get really abstract. It's like, what if there were just stalks of hair coming out of d- different parts? <laughs> maybe, who knows? Maybe it might work. Nine fat stalks. The space guys yeah, once said. Bayonetta yeah. hair. Exactly. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. You could, you could really do a lot with this. Senshi Give me the hair. Bayonetta. Say no more. <laughs> you can get the hair. Yeah, that solves your uh, closet problem too. Yeah. Hey, two in one. Um, speaking of different characters, Leo, how long before SNL do you think does like deep fake stuff for their impersonations? Do you think fifteen years from now they'll just have like a Instagrammy, Snapchatty filter over their faces and just be that person? Huh. I don't think so. I think they'll always want the novelty of a celebrity doing it. Do you think SNL will exist in fifteen years? Yeah, it'll be bigger than ever. It'll be in its golden age. (laughs) There it is. Mitch writes in, what are you planning on doing with your current gen consoles when you get the PS5 slash Series X? Going to sell them? Hold on to them? What are you doing? Well, mine's got PC on it. I got to keep them. Yeah, we don't know if it'll transfer over to PS5. It's really that tough one. It won't. What's that? It's not counted as like game software, so it's like... Mm. it's one of the one percent or whatever that percentage was that yeah. is backwards compatible. i'd say down with the one percent i'm i'm usually i, I, I like pt i i'm very much a hang on to consoles person <laughs> like i i have like a my p my big launch ps3 that plays ps2 and ps1 games like that's like i still have that out in my cabinet because it's such a rare thing you know yeah but this generation in particular maybe like for the first time i really don't foresee a need to hang on to my Xbox One or mm-hmm. my PS4 because I don't think that there's anything that's going to be exclusive to those systems that I need to or would want to hang on to. You didn't download yeah. PT? I downloaded it and played it and then and deleted it. Um, <gasps> you could have yeah. sold that PS4 for like a bajillion you dollars. You threw away you money. money. That's how, how do you think I got to be where I am, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I, might, I might sell them on eBay. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I, uh, I think I might just try and find friends or family to see if they want them. I think, yeah, because I'm at that moment too of like, well, 
I guess there's no reason to keep them. Let's... My, my my kid actually, literally, while we're recording this, texted me, what is Sea of Thieves? So oh, I think I'll just give no. her the Xbox. <laughs> we'll understand when you're older. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, if, it's weird for me because this feels like the first console generation where I can afford to actually keep the previous consoles, but it's also the one where they're like the least relevant. Right, like, interesting. If it hadn't happened, I probably would be like, yeah, I'll sell it. I don't care. I'm first person on the street that offers me money for it. I'll give it to them. Right. <laughs> so the lemonade stand that just says, I don't know what I'm doing out on the street. I should be inside. But. <laughs> uh, Oren Eccles. Oh, this is a new name. Thank you for your support, Oren. Says, hey, Benny and the Jets. Come on, Oren. Do you guys like that song? Yeah. What song? Benny and the Jets. Do you know it, Serial? No. It's the one that goes, John. it goes a little something like this. Benny! Uh, light, for light. like no, six minutes no, straight. I'm ignoring it. I'm ignoring it. I don't oh. want All right. Just give it a chance, like though. Um, like Oren Eccles writes in, I know you guys don't like to get political on the show, but can you at least acknowledge, not debate, or share personal political views on the topic of... <laughs> Sorry, Serial did a funny thing. On the topic of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez being the first uh, New York representative to use Twitch, she cracked half a million in her debut stream. Also, congrats on your first year anniversary. Thank you, Warren. We appreciate it. Yeah, somebody pointed out she has like the highest average viewership of anyone on Twitch because she only did that one. <laughs> That's so hilarious. She's just costanzing it. And I'm out. Never streaming again. Um, yes, regardless of your thoughts on her in particular, it was a... Crazy event, uh, I think, to have two Congress people playing a game like Among Us and just seeing them like try and troubleshoot streaming issues was fascinating. <laughs> and any conservative Congress person would have been just as cool. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah. Just, I, I, I love it. It gives me, yeah. Honest to God, gives me faith in the future. Like yes. it made me optimistic. You know, just for having a generation that understands lately. tech. Instead of having the generation yeah. that doesn't understand what questions to ask Silicon Valley, but like, are you monopoly? Yeah. I don't know. And she and she's made that point before of like, if people dismiss her like uh, being interested in Twitch, like months and months ago, she was talking about it of just like, look, like we need to get like a younger generation into politics because we have an understanding of how technology works. Like a lot of yeah. the members of Congress who are older people really don't understand and have put laws into place that are like messed with personal privacy and things like that. Be- because they don't understand the technology. So it's right. like, it really makes me excited to see a younger person who understands how it works and understands its value, like taking advantage of it. It was, is exciting for me. Yeah. It's, it's also, I mean, like it, there is a substance behind kind of like the flash there because for one, it was to get out the vote and be like in the past, uh, she had introduced legislation about, you know, the, like that would ban the army recruiting on Twitch, which was, right. which, you know, was a thing that blew up earlier this year. And so it feels like, I understand, like I, I understand this play around a little bit, and so like I can explore it, and so this feels like, uh, like uh, as much as it is kind of like, hey, get get the kids watching Twitch to vote or whatever. It also feels like there's this other spectrum of like people paying attention to like starting with her and saying like, oh, she's on this Twitch platform, and look at all these people watching. It must be more important. So in this way, it's also kind of giving awareness to the other side of people who, you know, like are into politics and stuff yeah that was another funny thing is at the same time the u.s army account was streaming and they had like 40 viewers <laughs> yeah that's right. i saw that screenshot getting shared around the screen. uh well i'm trying to remember like bernie sanders uh, anna diaz had an episode of refreshed all about uh 
people trying to tap into the hip gaming culture uh, for politics this year and stuff with Biden having his Animal Crossing Island and whatever weird stuff's going on there. But like, I remember seeing that headline that Bernie Sanders was had a Twitch account, but did he ever stream anything on that? Yeah, not games, but okay. Yeah, it's town halls and stuff. Okay, gotcha. He just wants the bits. He's just passing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hype train, y'all. I need my super chats. Oh, Bernie Sanders, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, it, it, it's kind of similar feelings, but we, I think we talked about it last year, but, you know, when AOC jumped on that Donkey Kong 64 stream uh, that was raising money for trans rights, like, that was the first moment of just like, oh, my God, this is a small barrier being broken that somebody in Congress can jump on Twitch and talk about how much she loves Pokemon snap. Yeah. It's like, what is happening? And it, it, it is giving like, in a, in a, like it, it's fun. And it's like, you know, the, the, there was like that clip of, of her murdering somebody in among us. And the person I think was just like, it, it, it was an honor, you know, like, <laughs> uh, AOC. but like she was like, at some point she was talking with H bomber guy about healthcare. And she was just like, I like, okay, so walk me through the process of getting healthcare of like medical attention in I think uh, England I think is where H bomber guy is from. It's like yeah. you just go to the doctor, you tell them what's wrong, and they give you the medication, and you go home. Like and and she's like, I can't imagine that like conversation happening without thinking about like the financial, like the credit card that I have to pull out to give you before I can even consider treatment. And so right. like that, that to me is like it feels like yeah, it's like you know fun or whatever. And then you know politicians trying to be relevant or whatever. But there is like okay, like but for seriously, like let's let's try to move some things forward. Yeah. And also our congresswoman, Ilhan Omar from Minnesota here, uh, tweeted out her computer specs. So that's, <laughs> yeah, I would love to see where that ranks on her, like most popular tweets of all time. It's mm. gotta be up there. Yeah. Cause that was I such mean, like a specific yeah. thing. God, we're like months away from like Henry Cavill and Ilhan and Omar having like a Twitch channel where they like, they just do what we do, but have like a billion more followers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell them about Patreon, please. Um, Is it illegal for a Congress person to have a Patreon? Is that? I have no idea. I got to find out because I'm running for Congress next year, y'all. <laughs> uh, Clint Farley writes in and says, music trivia. Hey, Min Max crew. Hope you're all doing well. Last episode, you talked a bit about end credit songs for a few games, and that prompted me to finally submit this music trivia to y'all. Oh, a lot of y'all. I've compiled a list of the of end credit songs from critically acclaimed slash popular games, along with one or two curveballs. Well, I might have weeded those out. You just need to <laughs> guess which game. Along with zero curveballs. <laughs> just the way all games should be. Um, yes, what game... Match the game to the end credits theme, is what I'm trying to say here. Uh... Are you all ready? First one, just buzzing with your name. Okay. Okay, ready? I am stunned. No one's guessed anything. Uh, I've beaten five video games in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Surreal, you recently beat this. Kyle? Kyle. Devil May Cry 5? Incorrect. No, it's... Wait, it's... Devil May Cry V. No, it's 5. It is 5. Oh, okay. I recently beat this. How recently? Earlier this year. I'd say probably late February or March. Before yeah. March 20th. I know that. Before March 20th? Yes. Doom Eternal? Nope. This is a game from 2004. Oh, uh... Uh, 
One of the greatest oh, games the, of all time. Uh, Modern Warfare 2. I don't know if they had to use a lot of physics to make this track. Oh, Half-Life 2? Half-Life 2, ladies and gentlemen. I guess it wasn't that iconic of an end theme. Okay, here we go. Next one. Imagine music. (laughs) Going here. Minecraft. Oh, Imagine music for DS. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine music babies. (laughs) Dead man's gone and Joe Looking down the sides not that part's windows. Yard is and the like Life is Strange 2? <laughs> Correct. One of the greatest games of all time. I love this game. I did not remember the song. Uh, there's a prop artist named Jesse Muck. Oh, Crash Bandicoot 2. Incorrect. Come on, Leo. Can you give us a year? 2010. Red Dead 1? Red Dead 1! Way to go, Leo Vader! Alright, here we go. Good at this. Leo and 2010. Got me there. Come on, Leo. Let's do some startup music. Is this a Prince of Persia? Leo, I know for a fact you finished this game. It has multiple endings involving your girlfriend. Far Cry 3. Three. There we go. Good Uh, hit. Leo, I know for a fact you haven't beaten this game. (laughs) Tetris. This is, a, this is like 90s animated movie ending, like. You know what? I think it is going to be okay after the character said their <laughs> speech and said, you know what? I think we're going to be all right. You got the country right. Oh, is this um, uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts? <laughs> no. No? Wanted, okay. Um, Everybody says this is one of the greatest games of all time, and uh, I've never gotten into it. But I, I give, I give them its due. Uh, nope. Wizardry. Nope. Uh, this, this is like the the, the credits, like the, the Little Mermaid just ended, kind of like final credits music. It's like, yeah. it's very close to Little Mermaid. Kingdom Hearts. No. Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> I'm just messing with it. It's nothing. It's the, it's the oh, okay. video game opposite of Little Mermaid. Um, let's see. It, Big uh, Doom. Doom Eternal. No, let's see. Um, it's kind of like... This isn't a good song. It's kind of a little bit like a pile. Like some sort of miserable pile of notes. Castlevania? Yes. This is, this is Symphony of the, of the Nights and credits theme. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. I've beaten that game more than once. That, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, it turns out you only hear the credits, you know, not that often. Compared to, like, how often you hear the first level music in a game versus end credits music. Okay, this is this is a layup. This is NBA. embarrassing okay. if we don't get it. Would you say it was a triumph? <laughs> Here we go. That was Windows. Ignore that part. 
Leo, uh, so Metal Gear Solid 3? Leo! You've got a way to wow. I'm very impressed, Leo. Yeah. I only know it from the soundtrack. I didn't know it was the end credits. I've never beaten that game, but I do like the soundtrack. Oh, wow. The game of the generation? I'm sure it is. Or game of the decade for that decade. I think that's what it was when we ranked it. All right, you play a 3DS version, Leo. Yeah. Yeah. You should do that, Leo. Okay. Now it's got Yoshi in it. I have it on Vita. And a bad frame rate. That's true. Uh, all right. Ready for this one? You should be able to guess right now. This does sound familiar. It sounds like the game. It sounds like the box art of the game. The Last of Us 2. Bloodborne? There we go, Kyle. Bloodborne. Way to go. Uh, it okay. sounds like the box art is what brought me <laughs> home on that one. It really did. <laughs> okay. I, I had a bad but yeah. Same, same aesthetic. Star Fox? Are you serious? Armada? <laughs> the GameCube game? You're in the ballpark. 2015. Big, big, big. Little Mermaid. <laughs> no big here. Sorry. Come on. Oh. Oh my god, no. This is what just like thing? This got is a little just bit of a Marvel theme. flavor to it. It's the oh my god, people are killing themselves <laughs> listening to this. No, don't! Don't, don't, don't. All right, we'll uh, let that one sit. Um, that is a little game called Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, ladies and gentlemen. No one's beaten that. Yeah, you're right. Um, okay, Leo. It's so weird that I have the lowest hit rate, even though I'm the one who probably finished most of those games. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you how, <sighs> how memorable end credit stuff is. I think that's usually like check my phone time and make sure that there's no cutscene uh, after the credit. Right, right. Well, I think the discussion came up because you guys were talking about was it Mario 64's end credits? Yeah. You were talking about like that was like the best one. The thing oh, about Mario, no, like, Super Mario though, Land. like Mario 64 and Ocarina. Was like it was very. I assume this was consistent for a lot of people my age, but like after I beat those games, like if I just wanted to play a game, I would go, "Oh, I'll play. I'll go fight Ganondorf again and beat the game. I'll go yeah. fight the last boss of Bowser and beat the game like that." And that was just like a thing I would do over and over, just because it was fun. So like I heard those a lot, but like right. lately I beat a game and I'm like, "All right, it's, can I skip this? What can I press a button?" Yeah. <laughs> well, here's a game that you've all beaten multiple times, <sighs> Leo. I don't know if you finished this game, but here it is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> How strange. What remains of Edith Finch? Interesting. No. What? Ooh. Is this really it? It's showing concept art of a village. Oh, is it Resident Evil 4? Resident Evil 4. Cool. Oh, God. Yeah, it, it, yeah it, it tracks the like the the infection coming into the village and corrupting everybody. Yeah, yeah. Good call, yeah, man. Honestly, like genuinely a fantastic way to end the game is just to kind of show how it all started. Mm -hmm. I love that. Skyward Sword pulls a similar trick, and I, I love that too. Yeah. Leo, have you played Resident Evil 4? Yeah. Did you beat it? Great game. I don't know if I ever did. I think I got close a couple times. Yeah, it's, it's a long game. It's long, man. All right, this one, there must be some sort of error because I don't think this game has credits, but... 
Persona. Persona 5. Persona 5. There it is. Man, that was a fast one. Uh, thank you for submitting uh, the fun music trivia, Clint yeah, Farley. Um, what do y'all like for question of the week? That was a long one. Yeah. I think the uh, I think the question or the, the question they're always looking for that makes the show better, personally, I think was the game pitches. Yeah, that yeah. you know that was I mean, just for Surreal's joke about <laughs> it's like enough for me are there any well, other contenders immaculate here? jeff bezos impression too yes that's true yeah. all right we'll give it to an attack corgi congratulations on attack corgi you get the teenage Mutant ninja turtles vinyl soundtrack thanks to our friends at i am 8-bit thank you so much now it's time for something that we in the biz like to call get a load of this kyle hi the floor is yours sir Okay, I have I have maybe I have two. What is more interesting? It seems like the perfect time to try and figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I'm just gonna go with a simple one because um, it kind of it caught me off guard. I don't know if maybe it's like abnormal to recommend something like this, but um, uh, Miley Cyrus. I, I I don't have any thoughts about her one way or another. She seems great. Uh, I've never seems listened great. to her music or anything, but this uh, there was a a cover being shared around that she did recently where she sang "Zombie." By the cranberries yeah um on stage somewhere it's awesome really like it's, it really i was like whoa this is really great like i and i i love that song uh and uh, to hear it from her which is like she has a unique take on it but like really also nails the, the weird thing about that song that's like really i don't know just like kind of soaring and like yeah. melancholy it, it really was like i i loved it like that's cool like, so I'll, I'll, I'll point to that. That was really cool. Yeah, I love that. Uh, the links for all these are below. Uh, Leo-san? This is a video called Nakel Smith Falling. He is a pro skateboarder. You may have seen a clip of his gone viral where he falls doing a skateboard trick, hits his back on the concrete and bounces out of it. Basically bounces what? into a backflip like a Jackie Chan move and lands oh on his feet. Oh my gosh. And this video is a compilation of him doing that in various situations. And it looks <laughs> like the next stage of human evolution. <laughs> <laughs> it is incredible. It looks like it doesn't hurt at all. He does it so gracefully. Oh, wow. That's wild. Um, hey, everybody, uh, get a load of this. Engadget had a story. A lot of folks ran this story, but I think it's an interesting, weird thing that uh, a while ago they announced that there was a bit of cooperation between Microsoft and uh, our dear friends over at GameStop um, and that like GameStop was reworking its back end to be on Microsoft systems, all that stuff. Turns out the connection goes a little bit further than that where apparently GameStop will get a cut of all revenue on every Xbox that they sell. So all digital revenue... GameStop will get a cut, so they're going to be incentivized to sell Xbox Series X and Series S. And it's not clear at this point how much of a cut it is. Like, people are speculating somewhere between 1% up to 10%, which is the extremely high end. But every digital thing, they can track it because of the serial number on that Xbox. GameStop will get a cut. Isn't that bizarre? Leo, you seem to be having a heart attack. That's interesting. I'm trying to think the motivation behind that. And it must just be to get them to push Xboxes harder than PS5s, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's brilliant. It is <laughs> interesting. It's like, well, it probably works out well for GameStop. Why not push these things? And now, you know, they're like, well, look at us. We're in the digital market, everybody. 
Who do you think brought what to that deal? Do you think Microsoft pitched them that deal and GameStop lost their freaking minds? <laughs> we'll have to consult behind closed doors for a bit. Oh my God, they're doing it, those idiots. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, Phil Spencer, I think, is he on the board? He has some connections. Or maybe I'm thinking of the ESA. That could be. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Reggie. What's that? Reggie Phil's a me is on the board. <laughs> Reggie bringing it home. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting deal. I'm curious to see how it plays on this generation. We'll probably forget about it a year from now, but I'm curious, like on the ground for GameStop employees, what difference is going to make for them and how they talk about things. Um, Surreal? So this is a, a pretty quick one. Uh, so if you're, you know, we have a lot of uh, important stuff happening in the next few weeks. And if you're looking for something to take a break from all that stuff, you can follow a new account called Titles in Media, uh, which is a series of images that basically have moments in movies where they say the name of the movie. That's great. Uh, but it's all <laughs> completely made up. So they'll just be like the captions will say, for example, there's a picture of one. Uh, a, a still from the movie John Wick, and the caption will be, uh, "Yeah, I'm thinking I'm John Wick 2015," <laughs> uh, or something like, uh, "Your army won't survive the attack of the clones." <laughs> and uh, obviously, the classic, the one where you know they have the end of uh, uh, "Gone with the Wind," and he says, "Frankly, my dear, I'm gone with the wind." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or like, I, I think my favorite one is like, uh, is, is a one from Gone Girl where, you know, they have the photo of like the, uh, the still of like the, the, the missing poster for Amy Dunn and yeah. you see Ben Affleck's character and said, uh, my wife, I'm afraid she has become a Gone Girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Excellent. so like, they're all, I think a lot of them are user submitted, if not most of them, but it's, it's a fun, uh, account to follow, uh, just to see how dumb they get with these. <laughs> With these names that's My excellent is becoming gone <laughs> <laughs> that's very good uh hey get a load of this from the community and they get a load of this channel on the community discord which you get access to if you support us at any tier on patreon and i know a lot of you are like i don't know what discord is give it a whirl it's a fun place to connect with folks and find people to play games with and it's a wonderful wonderful community thanks to our wonderful mods anyways chris fader posted an article from npr called under or it's called make love not war five years of undertale for an interesting look at uh, the history of undertale new interview with toby fox all that fun stuff and chris fader posted it in uh, the get a load of this channel in the discord not realizing that it was written by anna diaz herself uh, she got to interview uh, toby fox with a huge uh, npr article so you're supporting anna at the same time that you're checking out this article so congratulations to her for that great get she was very very excited naturally to interview toby fox and also she, to be on NPR. That's I know. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. On uh, NPR. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, it only works with DS, man. I know. On a DS, <laughs> I can't get it out of my head. Um, okay. Plugs. What do y'all like? Anything coming up y'all want to plug or in the past? Uh, Watch Dogs Legion stream launch day, the 29th. I'm going to be doing trying for a 12 hour blowout. Oh. oh my god and one or various or no guests but it's happening <laughs> yeah i definitely want to join for that leo in my mind i was like that's some crazy fantasy land in the future that is next week yeah oh Whoa, my god really? yeah can i tell you guys something i haven't told anyone yeah the other night i i've been having some trouble sleeping lately the other night i woke up like five times in the middle of the night and every time i went back to sleep and had another dream about playing watchdogs League. <laughs> Incredible. 
You little mm. nut guy. I know. Watch me get disappointed live on stream. <laughs> I find out it's just a video game. Yeah, like, you're like three hours in, you're like, oh no, this is, is there, a bad idea. Is <laughs> there any chance the game is so bad you end the stream early? Oh god, I don't want to live in that world. You'd be worried about what I'm doing next. With that. <laughs> Finally getting some sleep. Uh, that's great. Yeah, I'd love to uh, join you. You can follow us on Twitch uh, to watch Leo's stream, Watch Dogs Legion. Um, you can check out our Oregon Trail documentary on YouTube. Uh, you can check out The Deepest Dive on The Thing, which we launched this week. It's our first cross-media Deepest Dive. So this week, we covered the 1938 short story and the 1951 film, The Thing from Another World. Next week is... The Biggie. We're covering 1982's The Thing from John Carpenter, so you can support us at any tier and then submit a comment, and we'll read it on The Deepest Dive. But it was fun. Like, I'm glad that that first discussion, Leo, got into the very very natural thing conversation of, if we're taking The Deepest Dive into The Thing, we naturally have to lose our minds about trying to track who is The Thing and when. And, like, Mike Mahardy seemed to be the most into trying to track that logic in the book, but it's fun, man. Yeah, for sure. He was a great guest for that. And, yeah, I mean, if if people have been curious about the movie and too scared to watch it you'll this will be the best time you'll ever have to do it yeah among us is huge we'll coach you right through it uh so yeah we have mike mahardy and uh jv gwaltney friend of the show who hasn't been on for a while uh but he is joining us for that because he's a smart lad also we have a new episode of refreshed going up this week i think uh on will be streaming it on thursday we'll have details on our twitter account uh, about exactly when and where that's happening um and then we have a new episode of crossfade our music podcast hosted by Matt Helgeson, produced by Jason Daphnis. And this week um, is all about Van Halen. It's a Van Halen special. Uh, Their guest is somebody who has literally written a book on Van Halen. So with the passing, uh, it's a nice time to kind of dive into the life uh, and career and journey of Van Halen as a band and try and figure like, what was so special about that? Because I'm kind of in that camp. I want to listen to this episode of Crossfade because I like certain songs i like unchained a lot you know there's certain van halen songs that really stand out but i don't think i have the full picture of what's popping and that's what crossfade will teach you is what's popping with van halen if you want to know what's popping look no further that's right uh anything else anybody else wants to plug uh i'll offer my vote refrain please ah. vote um but also uh, real quick i on twitch streams i've i haven't streamed in a while on my twitch account kyle impersonator I'm going to try to start that back up soon. I, I don't oh, cool. think I'm going to have a regular schedule, but um, I, I kind of rearranged my setup, and my wife and I are going to try to start streaming more stuff together, kind of Ooh, have that, that as a thing we do together. That sounds cute. Um, so we'll, we'll start doing that soon, find some weird co-op games to play. Maybe that might be our excuse to finish Deadly Premonition 2. We'll see. Oh, my God, yeah. Surreal, um, what are you doing with Kyle's wife now? Uh, not, nothing as far as I know. I don't think. I <laughs> cool. But, uh, we're. I'm gonna try to record a Haiti spoiler cast uh, yeah. later this week. Uh, we'll see the, if all the guests that, that I have coming on end up making it. But uh, hopefully that'll be around next week. Yeah, probably Monday we'll put up the Hades uh, yeah. Max spoilers on our YouTube channel, and the podcast uh, will be in the or the podcast version will be in the Patreon exclusive podcast feed. Okay, that's it. Sorry for such a long show, but again, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for fueling minmax this year thank you for all of your work the help spreading the word sharing the show with a friend all that fun stuff uh we exist because of you and we can't thank you enough for helping us chug along on this little indie train uh we're here for you everybody so we appreciate all the feedback and thanks to all of our 50 dollars supporters the bam box i mate bit Mirko Rico Torreno, zachary pluggy rebecca lang beaten down brian brian with a y captain stubbs one mark seliga juar hello ludwig roque andrew valla jesse vitelli sammy Ami 83 thomas hoster snake 24 leo you know who comes up next i sure do 
<laughs> Can't wait to hear it. That's right, Leo. It's Yaro, your boy. <laughs> Love uh, to hear that every time. William Garcia, Spiraling Your Eyes, Richard Smut, Spider-Dan, Alex Payne, Pritham, Yarlagata, JT Fell, Steve Bamdad, and Chris. Thank you so much, everybody. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.